the blast from our past network. Hey, this is Mark Rolston from Shawshank Redemption, Aliens, The Departed, Rush Hour, and Survival Quest. You're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, 315, starring Adam Baldwin, Deborah Foreman, and Danny De La Paz. Welcome to Podcasting After Dark, where we ask the question... Is a teen exploitation teen exploitation if all of the teens are over the age of thirty? <laughs> I'm one half of the Midnight Express pad crew, sweet Zacky Poo Schaefer, and my cute and cuddly co-host. Who are you? Introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's uh, your old pal Sleazy C, <laughs> aka Corey, over here. Uh, we were just talking offline. I was like. Uh, you know how our intros are, and uh, you know Zach's like I got a little something different for you, and then I just started going on a tangent. But how like you know I, we have no standard thing, just go have fun with it. So like he totally just cracked me up on that uh, opening right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was watching this movie, and I and I don't know why, but like the bad the well not bad the bad is in good theme song to Midnight Express popped in my head that doon 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 doon, and I thought there's a great tag team from the 80s called the Midnight Express. And it was I think sweet. I remember them. Sweet Stan Lane and beautiful Bobby Eaton. And they were uh, managed by James E. Cornette. There was, that was like, the, they, there was a couple different incarnations of the Midnight Express, but those were the best. Nice. That was the best one. And uh, Jim Cornette would come out with this giant racket and uh, this big red jacket. And they, they were great. Anyways, that had nothing to do with the movie we're talking about today <laughs> because... <laughs> yes, folks. Like I said at the intro, we are going to be doing a teen exploitation film. Quite possibly, the final teen exploitation film we'll be doing in a while because I don't think there's that many out there that are halfway decent to do. Yeah, we we talked about that also offline. You texted me. You're like, this might be the last one, and I'm not gonna lie. I felt a little sad inside because at this point, I'm just expecting them. But you know, <laughs> I mean, we've done what four or five of them now, and and teen exploit to 80s teen exploitation films is like a micro subgenre. And how many <laughs> could there possibly be that are good? And I'm I'm figuring we're we're definitely dipping into the cream of the crop here. I mean, because and then I started thinking about all those, you know, the post-apocalyptic movies that we always talk about the exterminator the turn you know the cyborgs and everything it, there's only a solid like five or six that were like remotely good and then a, a 20 underneath that no one ever wants to talk about because they're all terrible you know so yes. yeah i guess we are kind of uh we have i mean we have class of 84 tough turf uh we have this uh 315 um i know we have uh, savage new streets and uh, new kids savage streets that's five i think that's all five yeah, uh, I was gonna I was gonna do exactly what you just did. I was gonna run down our our well, top five teen exploitation films. We might have to do a, a extra episode where we rank our top five 
teen exploitation films that we've done on the show. Did I just read your mind? You cute j- and cuddly Corey. You just read my mind, but I will do you one better. That is going to be our topic of our watch. Uh, I'm sorry, not our watch list. Our wrap up after dark this month. Uh, that is our Patreon exclusive series. It's a monthly show that Zach and I do. That is just a free form discussion topic show. We talk about uh, stuff that you know is relative related to podcasting after dark on there. Um, you know, but we also spin off on some fun tangents. So that is going to be the anchor point for this month's wrap up after dark. Now that we've done five of these uh, teen exploitation films, I want us to both both of us to rank them basically. Well, as as Gary Busey would say, sounds good to me. <laughs> By the way, side note: I played. I was playing Star Wars Squadrons, which is like this, like X Wing versus uh, Tie Fighter thing for PlayStation. And one of the people I was playing with, their screen name was Mecha Gary Busey. I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> that's I think awesome. Mecca, I think Gary Busey's already Mecca, but uh, <laughs> after he got hit by that and got run, and what he had a horrible motorcycle accident that. That's what basically caused him to be Crazy Gary Busey. Right, right. Which is sad when you Gary think Busey. about it because people kind of make it's fun so of him. sad. But it's... Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? How... I said good day, sir. He was an Academy Award-nominated actor for the Buddy Holly story. I mean, come on. The guy The guy used to be a big deal. He's Now he's just comic fodder. He's Mr. fucking Joshua, for God's sakes. I know. Come on. <laughs> he's Big Wednesday. He's... Uh, you know, point break. Come on. Fucking silver bullet, man. The the template yes, for the dude. uncle that I want to be to my nephew. I think that was the height of his alcoholism, too. So that explains a lot. That probably does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, alcoholism, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I oh, you know what? Probably the same thing I was drinking last time, which is a um, uh, Modern Times uh, Spaceways, which is a hazy IPA. I like them because they're in the extra tall cans, so I don't have yeah. to break the the conversation to go get a refill on on the beer. <laughs> in your podcasting after dark koozie, yes, yes, which that is exclusive to just us because I haven't made any more of them yet. But that yep. will be something we'll do down the road. Perhaps. That absolutely will. Perhaps. But yeah, for right now there is only two. But this is a great time, and I'm sorry, guys, I did not. I'm not meaning to do this. But this is a great time to plug our merch store. So uh, if you want some cool, cool ass podcast after dark shirts, go uh, go on over to podcastafterdarks.com/slash/merch, and you'll see some cool shit over there. And soon enough, we will have uh, the koozies, but we also have a bunch of other stuff because it's like uh t public you know so they can print on multiple things and multiple styles so yeah if you like and they have great quality if anybody's wondering about them they have great quality tees so just saying that would be the last plug guys i promise okay (laughs) until the end of the show (laughs) till the end of the show yeah (laughs) but uh today we are actually going to be doing a (laughs) today we are actually going to be talking about a movie and the movie we'll be talking about today is 315 Dot, dot, the moment of truth. Are there any more dot, dots after that? I don't think so. Or just 315, which was, I guess, the original title. And I I think they made the right choice because especially thinking ahead to, like, you know, Googles and stuff, although they weren't back yes. in ni- 1986, this is a <laughs> much better uh, choice is to go with the full name. I, I totally agree. Um, really quick, my connection to this movie, I saw it once when I was a kid. Yet again, on Creature Feature Saturdays, they showed exploitation films, too. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, just bits and pieces. So when I heard that it was coming out, courtesy of Ronin Flex, one of those sweet little boutique Blu-ray companies that we 
all know and love. Actually, Ronin's they're they're kind of a new company, up and coming. They put out some stuff. I, I think they did a collaboration with Scorpion on okay. this one. But um man, they put out a really beautiful disc. Uh, reversible slip cover, not slip cover, but uh, you know the, what do you call that? The, the normal insert? cover, yeah, the insert cover, and and motherfucking subtitles, baby. Oh my god, thank you, <laughs> thank you for subtitles. And they're like they actually tout those on the main menu. Yeah, enhanced subtitles. Yeah, yes, please. And and because I and it, it's a great uh, transfer too. The, it looks absolutely amazing on the TV, and I love. The new artwork, uh, as well as the old artwork, so solid, solid design all around for a movie that I never heard of and before opening the the you know the package you sent me. I was like, "What is this movie? Three Ten to Yuma? What what is this? I've never heard of this movie, but I do love me some Adam Baldwin." Oh, so do I. I know we're gonna get into the cast and yeah. all that, but goddamn, yeah, this this movie popped back up, and I'm like, I don't remember this very well, but I'm gonna grab it anyways. Fingers crossed that it is as good as I hope it would be. We'll find out if it holds up or not as we review the movie 315. But uh, just really quickly to run down the director and the cast and all the yada yada ding dong. Uh, yeah, 1986, 315. It was directed by Larry Gross. Um, if you look up Larry Gross, he's more well-known as a writer for 48 Hours and Another 48 Hours <laughs> and True Crime. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he hasn't directed a lot, uh, kind of understandably, as we talk about this movie a little bit deeper, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, that's what he's known for. It's written by Sam Bernard um, and Michael Jacobs. They Sam Bernard wrote... Uh, Warlock. Yes, Warlock. <laughs> Dark Tide and Payback. Little, uh, you know, semi-skin flicks, if you will. Uh, Michael Jacobs was the writer for Halloween 5. <clears throat> uh, right. Enough said. So, so uh, there you go. No, not saying anything positive or negative, just stating the obvious. <laughs> but really quick, we'll run down the cast. Um, yeah, Adam Baldwin as... Corey just gloriously stated plays the lead Jeff Hanna and of course like a lot of people are going to be like hey it's Jane from from Serenity and Firefly and of course great yeah. character but I was always like even when I watch Firefly I'm always like hey it's Animal from Full Metal Jacket so I I for some okay. reason had a had a huge fascination with Vietnam War flicks back when I was like kind of too young for it. Like I, for some reason, yeah, and I also used to read the, the nom Marvel comic. Um, Oh yeah, that was a cool comic. Yeah, it was. And I think it was also probably because, uh, GI Joe back in the day had such a tie to Vietnam that I That's think, why. I think that yeah. kind of like sparked my interest in Vietnam. So anyways, I actually really liked Full Metal Jacket as a kid, which is weird because it's like a real heavy movie. But I actually I liked the the second half more. I like more of the the war half. And so every time I watch Firefly or Serenity, which you know shows and movies that I love, but I'm always like, hey, it's Animal, and I fucking loved him in in Full Metal Jacket. That's funny you say that because every time I see him, I go, hey. It's the bodyguard from my bodyguard. And that was one of his first movies he ever did. I think it was like 81 with Chris Makepeace, which is a great last name, by the way. Um, yeah, that's what I remembered him from. And then being a, a nasty villain in, in the Patrick Swayze, Liam Neeson, Bill Paxton film next to Kean. Yeah. Um, he's a Chicago mafia guy. I will say, you know, the thing about Adam, Adam Baldwin is, yeah, I think modern fans will know him from his sci-fi shit. And then, you know, the 80s fans will know him from Full Metal Jacket and 
my bodyguard. There yeah, you go. I think so. Uh, but yeah, but but going down the cast, um, I'm not. I'm going to go out of order from what IMDb says because they they list like one of the more random characters uh, next build, and I'm like, <laughs> nah, I'm not going to go with that. It's so smiley. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get back to fucking smiley in a second. Um, but. And I'm going to butcher his last name, but playing the principal of the school is Rene Abergenois. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Abergenois. Uh, I think most people would know him from Star Trek. That's that's actually. where I know him from. Uh, I was a big Next Generation fan as a kid, and then he, but he was on Deep Space Nine. I, you know, I watched yeah. Deep Space Nine because of the former, but I was never actually a big Deep Space Nine fan. He's he's like a he's a really well known character actor he's been in a ton of things but he plays the principal in this um and actually he was really he was in the daredevil show the netflix show yes that's right he was uh yeah i mean the guy is he's he's been a consistent actor for the better part of his entire career he's one of those guys that weirdly got better looking as he got older for some reason i don't know his features just fit better (laughs) i could yeah Maybe his, his nose and his ears kind of went. You know how your nose and your ears get bigger as you get yeah. older. Maybe they just kind of grew. His head grew proportionally. I'm not knocking <laughs> yeah. it. I'm just saying it's potential. Um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm not going to go with the with the IMDb. I'm because <laughs> like listing some of the side characters. I'm like this. Yeah. Is, these guys are not the leads of the movie. Um, okay. So Wayne Crawford plays um, Mr. Draper, Coach Draper. He's one of the teachers at the school. He's kind of uh, Jeff Hanna's buddy, uh, his mentor. Wayne Crawford, if you don't know who Wayne Crawford is, he stars in one of my favorite 80s movies of all time, Jake Speed. Uh, he, he's a writer, actor. He was in Valley Girl. Um, he's been in a ton of shit. But he's no longer with us. Great actor, though. And so it was a big surprise when I saw him pop up. It's like, holy shit, it's Jake Speed. And I got another Jake Speed reference later on in the movie. So he he was Jake Speed in Jake Speed? Yes, he plays Jake Speed. Okay, because I've I've heard you talk about Jake Speed a shit ton. I assume we're going to watch it at some point. And to that note, this guy, I had never seen him in anything before, but I absolutely loved him here. So that makes sense to me that he had another career, like more of a, you know, where he he took more of a starring role in something because I really liked him and I took notice of him here. The funny thing is I was looking for specifically him in IMDb and like his IMDb picture doesn't look like him because he's a bit older. And then I kind of couldn't figure out who his name was because I just was like, oh, he's coach. But then they don't, you know, list him in IMDb as coach. You know, they listen by his name. So I was like, where the hell is this guy? But yeah, as I was watching, I was like, I like him. Yeah, I wish, man, I wish he's one of those guys that I wish I wish he was still alive, obviously, you know, because he's just such a great actor. And yeah, Jake Speed is if you if you don't know Jake Speed, guys, go check it out. It's really really good. To answer my question, we will be getting to it at some point, right? I'm sure we will. It's PG-13, but it's definitely a cult film. So yes, it, it, it'll go down the it'll go down the road. Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay, yeah, I would gl- I would gladly get the Jake Speed. Um, okay, playing the leader of the gang, the Cobras, uh, Cinco, uh, is Danny De La Paz. And if you go into the, the 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 list of the actors in this movie, most of them don't have photos, which kind of says something right there. But Danny was he was in Miracle Mile as a transvestite. Um, he was in American Me as Puppet, and he was in Free Jack as Jose. 
So, <laughs> fucking free jack. I saw that shit in the theater. Hated it. So hated it. Fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah, I hated it too. American Me is a classic. Yeah. Uh, Miracle Mile is a cult classic. Um, yeah, he he plays Cinco. We'll get to that later. Uh, Mir- yeah, Miracle Mile past- is Miracle Mile is another movie that I you've talked a lot about. I think I've seen maybe once way, way, way back in the day. So it's another one that I'm secretly hoping that, you know, we get to one of these days on the show. Yeah, I, I could see us doing that one. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. So and when I remember, I was like, I'm never going to watch this again. Um, <laughs> not for a bad reason, though. Uh, OK, so getting to the, more of the known people, um, Deborah Foreman plays Sherry Haviland. And if you don't know who Deborah Foreman is, uh, two words, Valley Girl. And <laughs> two more gir- words, real genius. Real genius. Can you hammer a six-inch in, six spike through a board with your penis? Uh, I don't know. I've never tried. And she says, well, the girl's got to have her standards. It's one of her best lines in the movie. <laughs> uh, and there's a little fun fact we'll get to. But, yeah, Deborah Foreman, uh, she was in uh, April Fool's Day. Yeah. My Chauffeur. Which, um, it's it's funny out of the real genius and all that kind of stuff, which right when I pulled up her IMDb, my connect, I, you know, as I'm watching the movie, I'm trying to figure out what in Zach's brain, how this is all sort of like fat, what fascinated you. And I was like, okay, yes. real genius. Well, there's one piece of the 315 puzzle that I've already, you know, put, <laughs> put in place. Um, but personally, even though I have not seen it probably since 1987, it came out in 86, but April Fool's Day, I, one summer, I loved the hell out of that movie one summer, and I want to rewatch it. I know that uh, uh, Shout Factory or somebody put it out, um, yep. so it will be on our to-do list at some point. Uh, I would like to revisit that movie because I did very much enjoy it, though I don't remember like her character in it, per se. Well, she's she's the... She's the lead. <laughs> okay, so she's the she's the main character then. Yeah, but she okay. but but you know, for the better part of her early career, she was played these kind of lovable sweet uh, characters and then she plays in April Fool's Day of much darker characters. So, she looked dramatically different too. So, it's not a surprise that you were not a little you know, forgot about her. Yeah. Forgot about her character. But yeah, the April Fool's Day is great. Uh, yeah, she, and she's she's really active on Instagram, by the way. So um, if you want to check out her page. Uh, rounding out a few more of the notables, Ed Lauder plays uh, Detective Moran. And he, uh, fun fact, he plays the dad of Deborah Foreman's character in Real Genius. Okay. Um, so yeah. there you go. They have a connection because they were both in Real Genius together. And I again, I I knew that piece of the puzzle as well. But yeah, this dude, it's so it's it's definition for me of character actor because I see him and I'm like, I've seen him in a gazillion things. And sure enough, I cycle through here and I'm like, yep, I've seen that, seen that, remember that. But you know, everything. You, but yeah, exactly. He's he's been in so much. Name name one movie that you know him from that you love. One movie I loved him in Cujo, or I loved Cujo, I should say, as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, so I would say uh, the Longest Yard, the the mm. Burt Reynolds. Don't give me the remake bullshit. The Burt Reynolds one is it's a classic, and he's such a dick in it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I always liked the uh, 1976 uh, King Kong movie. Oh yeah, he was cool too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and Re- the- Rene Aubergeonois was in that as well. Oh no shit. Fun yeah. fact. Fun well, fact. Yeah, look, and then, look at us coming course, in hot uh, with the fun facts. <laughs> so in real genius, uh, after 
Deborah Foreman says that infamous line to Val Kilmer's character, Chris Knight. Uh, they're standing in the hallway of Dr. Hathaway's house and Ed Lauder is standing there. And, uh, and Chris Knight's like, I'm sorry, have you ever seen a body like this in your life? And Ed Lauder goes, she happens to be my daughter. And he goes, oh, then I guess you have. <laughs> That's good. That's actually oh, really so good. good. <laughs> uh, okay, so really quick, small, small, small character. Okay, Scott McGinnis plays uh, Jeff's buddy, uh, Chris. And Scott McGinnis was in a movie. Uh, he was in Secret Admirer, which is a great 80s teen sex comedy. He was in Joysticks, another teen sex comedy. And he was in Making the Grade, another teen. No, uh, that was it. That was with uh, Judd Nelson. Yeah. So. so wait, was he <laughs> think, was he the one that gets shot at the very end? No. Oh, no. He's wait. the one who's crying playing <laughs> solitaire. Oh, 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 Scott McGill. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. He was um he was <laughs> he was the poor man's uh Jefferson Darcy. Yes, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. And he kind of goes that route too. Uh oh, yeah, s- yeah. So I can't even recognize I, him in his IMDB picture because the hair that he has in like in this movie is crazy. Well, you know what's funny? The his photo, his IMDB photo, is actually I don't even think that's it, nope. He, Nope, it's not it's, him. It's not him. No, you're right. Because I, I, I had to click on it. So what it is? It's a three shot. But they, yeah. the IMDb, the thumbnail goes into the middle guy who's freaking like DB Sweeney or somebody like that. But yeah, I see him now. I see Scott yeah. McGinnis to the right. Okay, okay. Yeah, he yeah. does have the same. Hair. <laughs> is that funny? Yeah. Come so on. Like that, no uh, wonder I can't. I I had the hardest time navigating IMDb for this movie. That I just like put it down. I was like, screw it, Zach. Zach will just tell me who the fuck these people are. Yeah. I mean, this is my wheelhouse. This is my wheelhouse, baby. Yeah. Uh, okay. So playing Whisperer, which is, I guess that's that's what they call him in the IMDb, but he's the leader of the M16s, yeah. which is one of the gangs at the school. Mario Van Peebles, baby. One of his first movies he's ever done. Fucking jacked Actually, up Mario Van Peebles. Too. That dude had a huge pecs in that in this movie. Yeah, he's always had huge pecs. He's just, you know. Yeah, he's he's jacked. Um, I, I'm going to get to other people as time goes on, but really quick, Gina Gershon is in the movie. Yep. Uh, and, and and then, you know, that was one of her first movies she ever did. Just because it's important to, to mention, Jesse Aragon plays Smiley. These are people that really have, they've got resumes, but you're not necessarily going to recognize them from anything. You might recognize Jesse Aragon. Um, he, oh, shit, he died when he was only 32. Damn. Uh, that sucks. But he was in Street Asylum. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, are we gonna are we gonna talk about the the cameo in this movie? Yes, we are. Okay, we, we, I, I want to see if you pick up on it or not. Um, uh, another one of the gang members, Whitey, is played by Bradford Bancroft, and he's, he's recognizable to me from uh, Dangerously Close. Universal Soldier, Bachelor Party. I was going to say, you know where I know him from? Fucking Universal Soldier as Powell. I know that. I remember that guy. Now I'm like, I can see it in my head. Very, very familiar. Uh, Very familiar. Yeah. And the other, um, one of the other gang members, Chooch. Ha! The minute Dude. you said chooch, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, of course. I am so happy that we did the Hat Squad <laughs> on TV Obscura. <laughs> Guys, go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, it's it's a, sh- a new show that we have where we're talking about cult TV shows, and each one of us brings one to the table. And the first episode, 
I brought Photon, and Zach brought the Hat Squad. And one character in the Hat Squad calls everybody Chooch. And so right when I saw this, I go, oh, just picture my head. Another piece of the tapestry puzzle lands in place for me for this movie. (laughs) Yeah, this podcast has really allowed me to explore my psyche and really define, like, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but it explains another reason why I want to do a teen exploitation film. But um, Panchito Gomez, yeah, he plays Chooch, and uh, Panchito was in Tough Turf. He was one. He was one of the gang members in Tough Turf. Yep. So there you go. And American Me. Uh, and then yeah, I'm gonna save. Uh, let's one, two, let's pop let's pop cameos? the cameo when when they're there. Let's let's talk about okay. the cameo when they show up. I, I'm gonna. There are five. Five oh. cameos I have worth mentioning. Okay, of like one of mean, them is like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, one of them is completely uncredited in the movie, although they are yes. on IMDb. So let's yes. see if we we can kind of. I have another one. <laughs> somebody from Fletch. I have somebody from Fletch yep. in here. Okay, yep. that's yes. two. That's two. Yep. All right, let's let, we'll, uh, guys. Uh, uh, you'll you'll stick around and you'll hear them as they come. We'll talk about them. <laughs> okay, so. Without further ado, oh, before we get to this, uh, really quick, yes, yeah, side note, uh, I was jumped a couple times as a kid in in uh, rival gangs, uh, not rival gangs, but like I was jumped by a Vietnamese gang in San Jose one time. Yeah, I know uh, that story. Terry, that's a, that's a harrowing that story. story. Yes, I will. I will. If anyone wants to know that story, uh, you can you can DM me on that one because I'll my bad impressions. Uh, will probably get me in trouble on air. So <laughs> I will not do those. Uh, but yeah, I've been jumped a few times by gangs and pushed into fights and stuff like that. So this, these are like, these movies are cathartic to me because I go, yeah, you know, this is really uh, a comeuppance. And then my other revelation. Well, I had actually, this, oh, before yeah. the second revelation, I want to, because I. I think about you when I'm in the shower after I watch these movies. That sounded terrible, guys. It sounds terrible. No, it didn't like, sound I'm terrible like, at all. And I'm like, it's, I'm like, why, why does Zach love all these these teen exploitation films? And you know, I know that you 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 know you had some trouble, with, you know, with people picking on you. And I know you, I know about you getting jumped and everything. So I was like, I, I'm sure he likes the the aspect of the character that rises up and goes against them. But I was also curious yeah. if. Another aspect of it, do you also, because you learn about the bullies and their motivations here, is that another part of it that it kind of informs you what the, what these childhood bullies were doing to you? Or do you just, are you just 100% into the comeuppance that they get? I'm just into the comeuppance. Okay. okay. You don't give a shit yeah. like what got them there. No. What, the, my only curiosity about what got people to where they go is uh, the movie Manhunter, where, you know, the, the studying of, of a serial killer. But, but the bullies... No, I, I could. I, I just want to see them get their asses kicked. Gotcha. Or not. We'll find out what happens in 315. Um, <laughs> I know I keep throwing it out there. I will say a, a perfect companion piece to this movie after upon watching this film is uh, the movie Three O'Clock High. And I will explain at the end of this why I think Three O'Clock High is a perfect companion piece to 315. Um, has nothing to do with the time, simply one of the main characters. Okay. But we'll get to that later because cool. we're going to jump right into it. 315, baby. No one ever stood up to the Cobras, and Jeff Hanna was one of their best. You and me, we get the gospel. Like brothers, they fought side by side. And Hanna even enjoyed it for a while. Hey, it's not. We won. 
I'm gonna hurt him. No. It took all the courage he had to stop fighting. Don't walk on me, bro! Now, what would it take to survive the most dangerous time of his life? A time of vengeance. Cinco says you're a dead man. Deception. Cinco's word against mine, and I got a damn good reason to lie. A time of truth. You're trying to scare me. You're doing a terrific job. I don't want to scare you. I just want you to know how things stand. It begins at 3.15. Guaranteed dead man if word gets out of Menard. All I got now is a cobra's on me. If I testify, it'll be the whole damn school. Please don't get involved. I'm not fighting anyone. He's gonna pay for this. You tell Jeff I need to talk to him in the Zero Club tonight. It's about Cinco. I got out. And he can't stand it. And just for the fun of it, he's gonna get Sherry. It's simple. Either you take them out or they take you out. Either way, it's over real quick, right? 3.15. He turned his back on the gang. Now, he's the only one who stands in their way. It begins at 3.15. If it's ever going to end. 315. All right, let's do it. 315. Can I start by saying awesome title card? Oh, it's so beautiful. It, now, awesome this title one is card. really fucking good. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, the the you sweet, see the sweet spray paint of on the opening of the movie of the, the of the logo three fifteen right, and it's in and it's all tagged up like someone just tagged it up. I love that. Yeah, it's so cool because so beautiful. It's, it's and it's not, you know, it, it's the they're clearly doing it on glass because they're shooting it as if you're looking through the wall. And I was like, wow, wow, how much better than split second that is. <laughs> <laughs> split second split uh, second get, still split. still the barometer for the lowest <laughs> title card uh, lowest rating we've given a title card so far all i'll say to that is rah rah uh rah rah <laughs> yeah. come on rah rah <laughs> come on rah rah yeah so it opens on this on that sweet spray paint opening and then you you focus in on cinco you don't know who cinco is yet but um this dude is popping pills and he's drinking some whiskey and this this movie moves pretty fast, so a lot of the opening shit we're just gonna breeze by, uh, but we'll obviously get into it deeper than they do in the movie, I think. But yeah, Cinco's like he pops his pills, drinks his whiskey, then he's on the move picking up his gang members, and they make their way like down the street, kind of almost similar to Savage Streets in that in that way, um, where they're marching down the street to this like knockoff. Uh, Rock music. I fucking music. love this opening song, dude. So I know you really dug the Savage Street uh, soundtrack. I yeah. I enjoyed it. I kind of 
going into that review, I wasn't really digging it. And but at the same time, I didn't want to. I didn't want to step on your smile. So I was like, I'm not really going to shit on it. This entire soundtrack for this movie. I fucking loved. And I find funny oh, that great. you were like, it's like, you know, you mentioned the music. Uh, this sounds like a little bit of a ripoff, like guitar or like a rock beat or something. But I love the way the, the score is used. And I love the way the, the soundtrack is used here uh, on both accounts. And this intro thing, I love uh, Cinco uh, grabbing up his crew, just like kind of, they're all just kind of gravitating towards him. And Adam yeah. Baldwin's sitting there like making out with his girl. And he just like, right when Cinco gets there, he just, he just stops making out. He gets right yeah, in line. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's cool. It, 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 in a way, it reminds me a little bit of the warriors where they're kind of, again, the gangs to get in the opening of the gangs where they're marching down the street. I feel like that, definitely was an influence on this opening shot with the rock music playing in the background, you know? But I, but like you said, Savage Streets, they're very, very similar, but I think this is a lot better. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, more convincing, and they're more menacing. You know, Savage, Savage Streets is like bachelorette party kind of thing, yeah, you know? And they yeah. weren't, they were, they were not, they were a chick gang, but they weren't even really a gang. It was just... It's like a club. Um, but yeah, but fun fact, the the guy who sings that is Joe Esposito, mm. who sings You're the Best Around from Karate Kid, okay. obviously. And Bill Conti did the music for it. So Bill Conti did the soundtrack to all the Karate Kid movies and Rocky as well. So they collaborated on this song together. Makes sense. That's cool. That's And you know what? I did see that because I do, I don't know if it always happens, but I love it when the soundtrack, uh, the 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 subtitles tell you the name of the song oh, yeah. and who and who's singing it. Like I, I'm like, oh, that's great. I love that. So yeah, I noticed that Esposito. That was really actually a shout out again to Ronan for for doing these enhanced subtitles because yeah, the fact that they put the songs on there. How many times do you watch a movie and you're like, ooh, I really like this song, and and now you have the power of IMDb. You can look up the soundtrack, but it's right there. It flashes the name. So you yeah. can instantly like grab your phone and download the song or go to YouTube or whatever, which I did. And this song is not available on YouTube, which is actually shocking. Oh damn. Well, shocking. well I will say uh, spoiler alert. I have a lot of notes on songs. Most of them are like, I fucking love this song. So that's, <laughs> nice. uh, you're going to hear that a lot during this, this review. You're going to be the song guy. Cause I, I actually didn't mention them in as much. But uh, that's so weird because so I, fast. I figured that was another piece of the puzzle that you loved about this movie was was the music. So I was like, man, if I'm jamming out to it, then Zach must be, too. Oh, I let. Oh, I was definitely jamming out to it. I just didn't. I don't think I took note because I was taking so many quick notes on everything yeah. moving so fast in yeah. this movie. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Um, you got gang members. Well, so the Cobras <laughs> I wrote Cobras. This movie's really fast. Cobras are harassing pizza boy, <laughs> uh, kissing chicks. Picking up on a picking on a guy while uh, Joe Esposito's rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That about sums it up perfectly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So a dude rolls up and uh, to to Cinco and his gang and says the cutters are at their their spot, um, which is the Cobra territory, right? And Spots is a burger place, and at, they sh they cut to Spots 
burger place and this gang this like very generic looking plaid gang and called them the plaid gang yeah. they're all wearing plaid shirts they look like good old boys kind of yeah like farmers right? just a bunch of white farmers, farmers. <laughs> really weird and, and it's weird enough because later on we will see that these gangs are so like uniform together every gang yes. has their style and their theme i really wish that they gave this gang at the beginning something because i wasn't expecting to see a, a dude in a jean jacket tagging something like a jean jacket with with nothing else on it like no no gang things on no per, you know accoutrements and little knickknacks that gangs always have pieces of flair they said you know? flair yeah. some fucking flair man <laughs> these guys had no fucking flair well it actually reminded me going back to the warriors again i'm gonna i probably will reference it a few times in this um you know, every gang in the Warriors had a distinct look, right. right? And at the very end, one of the toughest gangs that they face in the in the subway, on the roller skates, the roller skate guys don't like they they have similar outfits, but they're doing that same thing where it's like they're kind of a little generic looking outside of the roller skate guy. You know, the roller skate guy. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So very similar vibe. But yeah, these these douchebags are uh, tagging up their. The, the cobra spot uh practically raping a girl like literally raping a girl at the 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 where you order your food With and and people, like the, you can see people in the background just flipping burgers and making burgers while this chick's about to get raped i was like what the <laughs> fuck but it's really it's really ham-fisted like I will say, I think uh, in many ways, we're probably going to make some of these scenes more entertaining because some of the actors are so bad in yeah. these scenes. That one in particular. And, and they're like, come on, come on. You like this? You like this? Yeah, you're going to get it. Yeah. You're gonna, and it's <laughs> it's so flat. But it, but that's what makes it fun. Like this movie to me uh, is is definitely one you will laugh your ass off throughout because because of like some of the lines just fall flat or some of the scene you know but this is definitely one of them so yeah the cutters are making their moves literally and figuratively um, and <laughs> Smiley or sorry Cinco runs up and slashes a dude's throat. Doesn't kill the guy, but like I guess nicks his throat, or like it's like behind no, him, if it's his face or something. Like he smashes the bottle and then like swipes him in the face. Yeah, shit gets bloody real quick, fast. Yeah, we're talking like the first two minutes of this movie, and the Cobras beat the shit out of everybody, and then Cinco. So all the cutters run off except for one of the main cutters. And Cinco's just going to town on him, like wailing on him. The guy's down and he keeps on going at it. And Jeff runs over and you have to picture Jeff, uh, Adam Baldwin's character. He's very, me- he's like probably three feet taller than everybody else. Yeah, every single person here. Yes. He's, yeah. he's giant. He's giant. He also does look like he's in his thirties. Let's be honest. You know, he, he, he looks like a man. They all kind of do, especially whitey too. He's got like a receding hairline. It's really funny. And I knew dudes in high school that are receding hairlines. So it, it can work on one level level, but at the same time too, I'm like, everybody looks like they're hella older than they yeah. are portraying. Oh, wait, wait until we get to school. I got one guy that I'll point out to you that has like <laughs> more. I, I, my note is he's got more body hair than fucking Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, totally. Yeah, so anyways, um, Jeff pulls Cinco off of this guy, literally like lifts him off because Cinco's like half the size, um, and they stare each other down, and Jeff's like, dude, let it go, man. Like, we won. Let let the guy go. But 
Smiley's like, let it go. Yeah. Or sorry. Uh, Senko's like, let it go. I, I can't, you know, I can't let it go. And then the guy, the, the cutter's starting to, to, to get away. And Senko takes his switchblade and he throws it at the guy and kills him. Yeah. Hits him in the back. Yeah. It's like he fucking pulls a Tintin from the crow. I'm like, holy shit. And then he, and then Senko looks at Jeff and says, you see what you've done? Like, oh, shit. And this is where shit gets real, real fast. Not only did it kill a dude, but now Jeff's like, ah, fuck this. I'm out of here. Takes off his colors, right? Takes off his leather jacket or whatever. Throws it on the ground and walks off. And that's the opening to the movie. Yeah. In like the first five minutes. And and there's a title card. This is one year later, yep. right? And you see his girl, who's her, her name's Laura. Uh, she's trying to leave, too. And Cinco pulls her back. Like, no, you're not you're not leaving us too. Oh yeah, before the and, one year later. Yeah. Like when they were still on that scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, that, and that was the girl that he was that making was cool. out with before um uh you know, at the beginning of this. And yeah, yeah, yeah that was Laura. cool as hell, dude. I loved I love that intro, man. I thought that was it, it told you everything you needed to know and and boom. Yeah. And then one year later, and I was like, yeah, oh, cool. I, I didn't – I kind of was like, oh, I was a little bit taken aback by that. I didn't realize we were going to do a little time jump like that. Yeah, wh- where this movie has faults, and we will bring those up uh, definitely, it, where, th- where the movie has faults, it has faults. But where it has callbacks, I applaud the shit out of because as you listeners know, we love our consistencies with storyline. And they have shit that comes back. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and even if it's kind of cheesy, it still makes it's it's cool that they call back on this stuff. And, you know, I was going to kind of save it for later. But since you're talking about it now, of all the five movies that we've watched of these teen exploitation films or these revenge films, um, this one I felt like is just like the most well-crafted like it doesn't have as many wonky little scenes like what did that scene do like this one's the most boom 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 it moves forward at a forward pace and it's it's easy to follow there's no real wonkiness here or there besides what we will talk about but i felt like it was the most well-crafted of all of them wow that's that's quite a compliment um i i don't know if i agree with that but i'm not I don't know if I disagree with that. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah. 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 We'll sure. get there. Um, and that's not and, to say this will be my number one when we do our, our breaking down of our top five. But yeah. it, no, I, but I do think good... it was it's well made and well, you know, besides being just well shot, but like structured wise, story structured wise, I thought it was well done. And again, guys, like we brought up a few cameos or a small um smaller characters with big names in it. This movie has a pretty top notch cast from T to B. Yeah. which is which is really kick ass even if the script is like very ham handed um if that's even a thing to say but i just said it so there you go <laughs> so from there uh we, we cut to jeff driving in his car rocking out great to music touchy situ- <laughs> is it touchy situation is that the name of the song <laughs> yeah something like that i would have paid more attention i i totally thought you were gonna fucking nerdgasm all over the, the soundtrack to this thing because i was like if i'm I mean, jamming I, out i know you are too but yeah this i th- did this opening song this uh this this one i fucking love this one and it, it kind of plays over the the montage of of the morning that you see and by the way I, this is all looking like east la 
ish uh, to me, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This this was a touchy situation by Robert Ferrero. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I loved it, man. I fucking loved I'm telling it. Telling you, dude. Uh, you know, the, and that's the thing is, like, yeah, okay, and and I'll probably I enjoy the soundtrack even more the fourth or fifth time I watch this because this this bears repeat viewing. This doesn't have anything in it where I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I can watch that again. Um, but yeah, he's rocking out to his music in his convertible car. And again, guys, this is a year later, so new situation. Rolls up at school uh, at the same time that Whitey and Punch roll up at school. And Punch, so to give you an idea, Punch is like this big burly dude. Uh, and then, sorry, Whitey's this big burly yeah. dude. And Punch is like this little kind of, he seems like a new gang member. And he's he's very like uh, timid and meek and, and has literally three lines in the movie that he utters at the end, probably just to get his SAG card. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, I bet you he got a SAG card for this for this scene. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, they roll up on on Smiley and Chooch, and Smiley Smiley to me is the most annoying of the gang. Oh, like yeah. he's to me, I want to see him get his ass handed to him way more than he does at the end. By the way, uh, like he's such a little bitch. Yeah, he's such a little bitch. He really and he doesn't. He like so picture a guy wearing a vest with like a rosary with no shirt on underneath. He's, and he looks like he's 30. He's the one you want to see get beat up the most of yeah. all the even even more so than Cinco, you want to see Smiley get hit the shit beat out of him. Yeah, Cinco kind of in a deranged way makes sense to me. Uh Smiley Smiley's also the worst actor out of all all of the guys too. And and like when he utters his lines, there's uh, I'm like, dude, this makes me want to kick your ass even more. There's a scene at the end where I'm like it's such a letdown because of what I thought was going to happen. Didn't happen. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so sadly, I agree with you about smiley being the, the weakest link as far as acting goes for the gang members. Everyone else is fine. Even though Ponch doesn't have any, anything to really say or do too much. But um, yeah, smiley's the worst actor of all of them. Sadly, pa- yeah, pa- don't want to talk ill will of the dead, but unfortunately it is. Yeah. No offense to the guy. And I, apologized that you know it sucks that he's dead but still let's call a spade a spade right yeah so <laughs> so this dude norman rolls up like a kind of a nerdy dude uh, up to school and the cobras kind of zone in on him and they take his glasses they crush his glasses uh and they're basically shaking him down for money uh from there you immediately cut to a group of martial artists yeah we don't know the name of this gang yet you will later on Right. Yeah, I think right the the Tam or Tan gang or something like that. Yes. Yeah, Tam. I think. Yeah. yeah. They're doing like their katas or their the you know in the quad of school, which is really it's badass on one level because I'm like this is so so bizarre that they just cut to this scene of these of this martial art gang, you know, doing their lessons or whatever. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you roll and then you cut right back to uh, Jeff rolling up in his car to the parking lot of the school. <laughs> and, and I love this. Cause then his buddy, Chris uh, comes up and he's giving him shit. <laughs> Poor man's Jefferson Darcy. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big time. Poor man's Rick Springfield. Uh, and he's uh <laughs> poor man's. Uh, what else? Can we, every we'll, we'll fucking villain from the eighties. 
<laughs> yeah, he's got you know poor man's uh, Michael Douglas from Wall Street, yeah. uh, or young young Michael Douglas. Anyways, uh, yeah, they're giving each other shit, and Chris is like, you can clearly his new buddy, you know. Right. Um, and and it cuts back to Smiley shaking people down for cash, and then he spots Jeff, uh, and then Jeff's walking up to school, and Laura, his old girl, walks up to him, and she's asked what he's. Uh, she asks what he's been up to. He looks kind of lonely. And then in the background, as she's like kind of confronting him, Mario Van Peebles looks on. <laughs> he doesn't get a line yet, but not yet. But he, so his gang, the M16 gang. So what was the deal with them? They're all they're wearing like all camouflage. They look like they're all soldiers. I wonder was this like a spin on like the Black Panther thing or something? I didn't quite I think so. get it. Yeah. I think like soldier boys, like, okay. you know, yeah, that, that was the vibe I was getting that they were, I take, I take issue with every single person at this fucking school, by the way, at the end of the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but so, but then my next question is like, so if you're going to be in this gang, you, you have to follow like the rules, right? Like you have to wear something yeah. that is camo esque. Now you can obviously rip the sleeves off. You can do whatever you want to, but we have to have all camo all the time. Just like the, uh, the, the cobrets, which are, which is the cobras, I guess, girlfriends female version of them they're all wearing like the leather jackets you know like even though it's not similar you can tell they're all still like in a in a gang together and aside from gina gershon the rest of them girls were rough looking well yeah so the leader of the cobrets her name's patch Patch. and she does this thing with her she does it twice in the movie and i'm like i'm sure they cut more scenes of her doing this thing with her hair but she's got some sort of maybe razor blades in her hair and she swings her ponytail around. Yeah. Like her people with it. Yeah. Like her top knot ponytail. She kind of spins it around. It's like, that's kind of clever. I feel like that should have been, that was something for like cyborg, right? Like having like some kind of villain with, with a, with a, with a gimmick like that, you know, but it's a cool gimmick. It's cool. I, I dig that's, the, that's fine. Yeah. I, I dig the gimmick. So, so just to kind of paint the scene, this is all taking place in the opening of the school, like the quad area as they're all rolling up. And yeah, Laura's with, Laura, the main uh, Jeff's old girlfriend, is with the Cobrettes. And so you see Gina Gershon for a second there. And you're like, holy shit, it's Gina Gershon. Um, and yeah, and she gives the whole line, like, you look kind of lonely, Jeff. And Jeff's like, well, me and Sherry like being alone. And and you're like, well, as an audience member, you're like, well, who's he talking about? You know, it must be his new girlfriend. Right? Yeah. We'll get to her in a second. And then he walks off. And then... Uh, nope. Real quick, I just I do want to say it because it's right here. And he, she said, yeah. like, you sure know how to pick him. And he's like, I picked you, didn't I? And this is the exact moment that there's this ki- kid. I'm going to use quotation marks, kid. There's a guy behind Jeff that has like a a like a brown leather jacket, like zipped down to his navel, but he's smoking a cigarette and he's got more hair on his chest than I have on my entire fucking body. And I'm like, if that motherfucker is supposed to be 18, like even if he was held back like three years and he's like fucking 20. No, he, that is a fucking 35 year old man back there. We always talk about it, but that was, I mean, this is the reason that we loved summer of 84 so much is because in, (laughs) in places when they actually went, 
went to areas that were supposed to have kids, they actually cast fucking kids versus casting like like fucking 40-year-olds. And this is something we've talked about with almost every single high school drama that we've done on this show. Everyone looks yeah, like they're fucking 28-plus. It's not as bad as one of the dudes in Class of 84 that had a full-on mustache, and you're like, that dude is way older than he's playing, but... I know the dude you're talking about, and it's pretty obvious he stands out like a sore, hairy thumb. Still a sore, hairy thumb. <laughs> yes, you're 100% correct. There you go. Yeah, after after um, Jeff says that to Laura, it's funny because MV, uh, I, I was writing MVP. Mario Van Peebles is like <laughs> giving her, they're kind of giving back and forth, giving each other shit, uh, which is a, a fun little scene. And then you cut from there to a cop rolling up on the school. And then you cut from there, like these, it's very like, like I said, guys, it's very fast paced. Mm -hmm. From there, you cut to the principal's office, Principal Horner. uh, He's with Moran and Detective Moran. And they're talking about the good old days when you could lay down the law and, you know, just kind of take, taking kids the way you're supposed to, but everything's got to be touchy feely now. And you immediately cut from there, you cut back to the main campus. uh, And this dude rolls up on smiley and smiley's like you know i need my money and you're like and i look at the guy i'm like this guy looks really familiar to me <laughs> right yeah the guy rolls up in the sweet car it's like a camaro or something like that and smiley's shaking him down for money and he's like i don't have your money and he's got braces on and i'm like he's first got- of all his voice and his braces and in his and his really weak, weak chin the weakest chin you've ever seen <laughs> and i go wait a minute that's the that's the guy from fletch <laughs> That Fletch steals the car from. Yes, takes him on the high speed chase with, and he makes him put his fist up, and he puts Fletch puts his own baseball cap on the kid's fist. I fucking know. here, hold this, dude. I fucking know. I saw that. I was like, fucking Fletch, man. What the when, fuck? When there, there, there's a, a cue, a great song that like, "Get Out of Town," "Get Out of Town," "Arena," by uh, Dan Hardman, by the way. Guys, well, you you should know by now. We've talked about it multiple <laughs> times. Zach and I both adore Flesh. It's one of our favorite comedies from the '80s. We'll never break it down because there's so much to say. That that's gonna be that could be a Patreon exclusive because like someone have to pay us to break that shit down because it's hard breaking down a movie. You know, that one's got like line after line. Bro, tracking Mallrats almost physically broke me. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It, my hand, after taking notes and trying to track mall rats, because every bit of dialogue is something that's going to come back around or what you have to track everything, you know, in, in comedies and dramas, you have to track everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah nah, we can't, <laughs> we can't. Yeah. That's why I picked this one. It's a cool 86 minutes. That's right. Um, 87 minutes. Yeah. So I, I, we spot the dude from Fletch. Yeah. And by the way, I just because I was curious, I wanted to go deeper. He was actually in the Waltons as well. Oh yeah, he's he wasn't John Boy, but he was one of the other ones. No, but he had kind of a regular deal going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, uh, anyways, he fucked. He gets fucked pretty hard because uh, Smiley. He doesn't have money for Smiley. So Smiley, being the little bitch that he is, takes his uh, blade out and scra- keys the guy's car with his blade. I guess he I blades the guy's car because he's not keying, yeah. keying it. Um, oh, my God. So, you know, I, hopefully our viewers have never had their 
car keyed at all. Uh, unfortunately, I have, my brother has quite a few times. Uh, get your car, yeah, like this one dude, Adam Brioza, this little shit. I had a big house party, and uh, he left the our party pretty drunk, and he thought my brother's car was someone else's car, and oh, he keyed up my brother's car. Oh, Jesus Christ. And this guy was like a rich kid, you know, drove a Mercedes uh, just what, uh, just, he was one of those little, little white punks that it's like, Oh, I'm going to break off the, the Mercedes logo off the guy's car and wear it around. But he was such a dipshit that he couldn't break it off all the way. So only half of it broke off and he still wore it anyways. I'm sure he's not listening. And if he is, dude, you know, you were a little bitch in high school. So. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Hey, you know, come on. Got to call spade a spade for the second time in a row. Hey. Use that line. So happy. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, he scratches up uh, Fletch dude's car. <laughs> Fletch dude. Fletch. <laughs> no, there's some Fletch Waltons. I don't know. There's a joke there somewhere. <laughs> Walton Fletch. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> oh, brace, brace face. Uh, so yeah. So w- Smiley continues. She does his thing. And then Whitey's shaking people down for money and selling drugs. All like in the same little quad area. They, it seems like they shot the same they use the same location for a bunch of scenes. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately later on in like the end of the second act, when they go back to school again, the, uh, they do an establishing shot of everyone hanging outside. And it's, the, it's the same day because there's, you can see people in the exact same spot wearing the exact same thing and not gang members, yeah. but like non gang members. You're like, okay, it was, they're just using footage. They got all the people there probably one weekend and that was it, you know? Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, I think they filmed this in the summer uh, at a school. in I think it was in East L.A. Yeah. IMDb does not have a whole lot of info on this. And I'm sure, um, you know, we could dig a little bit deeper, but we didn't because we're just breaking it down, folks. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the show. This there, is what we do. This is what we, it's what we do. Eh? So from there, he cut back to Moran, Moron and, uh, and Horner in their office. And they're continue bitching about the way things used to be. And it's kind of weird. Uh, it's a weird scene. I, I understand they're kind of trying to establish that Horner, the principal is a jerk of a principal and, and he doesn't even respect Moran all that much, but Moran's kind of there to uh, eventually bust, do a big drug bust. And that's why the cops are slowly pulling up. Yeah. Right. From there, we cut to Cinco in his Cobra van. How do we know it's a Cobra van? Because it says Cobras on the side of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it I mean, be, maybe be a little bit inconspicuous. I don't know. But bit. I do like the setup of the inside. He's got like a table and stuff in the back. It's pretty fucking cool. Like a like a full on office in the back of the van. I was impressed by yeah. that. Yeah, it's a dope like '70s van, so it's got that setup, you know, if the vans are rocking, don't come a knocking kind of vibe, right? From like Boogie Nights. Boogie mm-hmm. Nights had the ultimate van, by the way, as far as movie vans are concerned. And yeah, Cinco is like he's putting drugs in books, and they're getting ready to kind of go out and sell their shit. And uh, and then like Jeff's old girl Laura's in there with him, and she pulls up her skirt, and they start banging. Yeah. You see her boobs just for a quick second. That was just a fast one right there. And you immediately cut to more cops kind of patrolling the school, and you cut right back to them, and they're already done. Yeah, they're done. Yeah, <laughs> so it was very it's quick. it's kind of funny because, <laughs> my God, that was a quickie. From there, Laura leaves the van, and, you know, the gang is getting out. The whole gang's showing up to kind of 
sell drugs, right? Uh, from there, you cut to Deborah Foreman's character, Sherry, walking down the hallway of the school and looking all happy. And it's kind of a cool moment because she just, you know, it's like, oh, everything's okay right now. And she walks up to Jeff and they kiss. Uh, and, and in the background, you see, I think it's like Patch, right, from the yeah. from the Cobrettes. She's looking all grossed out by it, like, oh, God, you know? Well, so. I'm, I'm looking grossed out when I look at Patch because <laughs> she was not a looker, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, she looks like a she's a looks like a pro wrestler. Yeah, she uh, does. Not yes, that that's a bad does. thing. It's more of an obvious thing. And there, you know, Sherry and uh, Jeff are having a cute little back and forth. Sherry says her parents are going to be out for the night, and uh, she'll pick she'll pick up Jeff uh, and bring him back to her place. And she's and she's like, I've never picked up a guy before. Or I think Jeff says like, I've never been picked up before. And Sherry's like, Well, I've never picked someone up before. <laughs> From there, you cut back to the principal's office. And they're getting ready for their big bust, right? And you cut right back to Cinco with his gang. Um, and he's giving them all drugs, like these little paper envelopes. And then you cut back to Jeff. It's like very back and forth. Yeah. Jeff is in the uh, in the in the gym shooting hoops by himself. And then you cut to Chooch making rounds to sell his dope. And then you cut to Whitey giving drugs out too. And then the cops get a signal to move in. And then Chooch sees the cops and Chooch is on the move. (laughs) (laughs) And it's literally moves just like this. It's a little bit like bam, 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 bam. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's a it's lot funny. of fun. And there's a, and there's also a great yeah. song here too. You know, it, it's, it's <laughs> there got is a, a great song. Yeah. It's, it's a, the fun song happened to be, I, I like what's going on. And there's a, a, a cool little scene too, before smiley and Cinco get busted. Um, the <laughs> fucking smiley just be talking too much. And Cinco's like, you know, you yes. need to shut the fuck up sometimes basically. <laughs> and Smiley's like, yeah, that's what I'll do, man. I'll shut the fuck up. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I was like, I, my note is, uh, I, res- I respect Cinco work ethic he was just like yeah just do your fucking job telling smiley to shut up and do your work i was like yes cinco don't take no shit from that jabber guy yeah cinco who also looks like he's 30 yeah, of um course. you mean. know it and, and and is it is a it is a really funny moment it reminded me of when uh it's just not as well done but it reminded me of uh fargo when Bushimi and uh, and is in the oh, car yeah. with um, Peter Stormare, and he's like, you know, I don't have to say, I'm not going to say another word. Total <laughs> silence. That's it. Nothing. I don't have to talk. I can say nothing. <laughs> okay, then shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> shut the fuck up, Donnie. So uh, yeah, no, it is. That's a really funny scene, actually, because I'm like, yeah, thank you. Why do you have this guy in your gang? Right. With his open vest and rosary, going, rocking his rosary. Um, but yeah, so Chooch is on the move when he sees the cops. And it reminds me a little bit of the Warriors when the cops move in on the Warriors because the, 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 the play fighting and the action sequences are like the actors are very hesitant to make like physical moves on these guys. You can tell that it's, it's kind of silly because they try to grab them. It's very like staged. Yeah. Uh, West side story ish. Yeah. But it, it's entertaining. Nevertheless. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I, I know what you mean. You, you can tell when, 
you know, I mean, there's a reason that that stunt coordinators, some of the best are the best, right? Just like in yeah. this, the gore in this movie, there's a couple of spots where there's like some blood and whatnot. And, you know, Tom Savini's not working on this movie, guys. So, no. you know, there's a reason Tom Savini's Tom Savini. There, there's a reason Richard Norton is who he is. Like, there's a reason that people set up these fight scenes, like get paid what they get paid because you watch movies like this that don't have a high budget. And you see what the alternative is. You see what not having the best, uh, uh, you know, fight coordinator or just not having the time to rehearse it and everything. But, yeah, Chooch does try to kick a cop and the cop grabs him. And you can tell that the the cop actor doesn't want to fucking drop Chooch, the Chooch actor on the ground, you know, on the linoleum floor. But uh, so he's trying not to, like pull him down but yeah whatever it's fun you're like okay oh i, you know. I laughed yeah and, i know look, it's, it's it, good it, it doesn't take me out of it what? i should say that that's how i wanted to, to end it it doesn't take me out of it no and i i'm right there with you dude uh, it didn't take me out of it either it, it was this movie is supposed like it's cheesy but it's, it's cheesy, cheesy fun yeah right? it is agreed 100 yeah. percent. so yeah so so chooch is trying to warn everybody uh, Ponch and Ponch, Ponch and Whitey get busted, and then uh, Chooch, you know, finds he finds Cinco and and Smiley, and he tries to want, warn them. And Smiley and Cinco run off. Right, they run off to the locker room. This is after you know Jeff has finished shooting hoops and he's showered and he's in the locker room too. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, and they run into Jeff when they run into the locker room and try to hide from the cops. And Cinco tries to give his drugs to Jeff. Yeah. And he's like, here, take a man, take a man. And Jeff's like, I don't want this shit, you know? And he pushes Cinco off as soon as the cops run up. And Cinco's pissed. And it's a funny moment because it's like, of course Jeff is not going to take the drugs. Yeah. You know, he's not an idiot. And and then Cinco's trying to put it on Jeff. Like, they were his, they were his, they were not mine. And the cops don't, are not even buying it. Well, and, right? and, and, then, and this is, I mean, the only thing that kind of sucks is this is the catalyst for what the actual movie is going to be is literally this moment. And like the way that it was shot, the cops were like already like in ice shot of all of this when when Cinco's trying to drop the the drugs off on on Jeff and it's like why would no d- the cops are looking right at us they're like literally right behind you like you know what I mean I I feel like the cops shouldn't have been there at all but yeah here it's there's no question Je- yeah the cops are like no Jeff he didn't Jeff didn't have him you know like we saw everything you know but yet Cinco's pissed off about that though yeah I'm act- I I think it's it's a really funny sequence actually because. Because uh, Cinco's so pissed off. He's like, you dead, motherfucker. Right? And, and Jeff's like, well, fuck you, man. Yeah, <laughs> you fuck know? you. He doesn't say that to him, but it's it's that kind of vibe he gives off. Like, fuck, you're going to jail. Screw this shit. I love that. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. October 31st, 1981. It's the night of the party at Jerry's Arcade. It's the night all the kids have been waiting for. It's the night they have been waiting for. There's a new game at the arcade. It's Killer. Polybius. From David Irons, the writer of Nightwaves, 
the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press. And now, back to the show. From there, we cut to a classroom. So, you know, Senko has been arrested, and so has uh, Smiley, Guy Smiley. Pretty much every, we everybody. Cut immediately... Well, I guess, I guess, well, they, they've all been arrested, like rounded up, but like Whitey and, and Ponch get out or whatever. I think they all pretty much get out right away. Yeah. And, and just, you know, I, there's not a whole lot of explanation when they get out, how yeah. they get out, but they, eventually they're all going to get out. Um, yeah. You cut to a classroom and this is another fun little cameo for myself. The teacher in this scene, it's like a history class, and he's talking about Karl Marx. I'm looking at the teacher. I'm like, I know that guy. Wait a minute. We talked about Wayne Crawford being in Jake's feed. This guy was one of the main villains in Jake's feed. <laughs> That's awesome. Next to John Hurt. He was like second build villain in Jake's feed, and he's got a huge part in Jake's feed. Huh. So another shout out to Jake's feed. And this guy's dead too oh. in real life. Oh. Yeah, which sucks. <laughs> But I looked him up and um, I looked him up and and he apparently was like a really big acting teacher and a lot of people took his acting classes. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Anyways, I just it was a standout for me. I thought that was kind of cool. So I love this. This is really funny, actually. So the class uh, class is over. Bell rings. The teacher's like, you know, don't forget about your homework, everybody. Check the board. And Jeff's in the class and he's looking at the board. <laughs> There's a girl in front of me. He's like, hey, can you move? I'm trying to look at the board. <laughs> His delivery is so funny because he's it's almost like he wants to be like, hey, bitch, move. <laughs> Nobody does it. <laughs> and then she's like, well, you know, what's the point? You're not going to be alive next week to see it anyway, to, to turn it in anyway or something like that. And he's like, what are you talking about? Right? Yeah. Yeah, this is when you find out the entire school's talking about what he did. This to, is a little uh, bit of a three o'clock high moment to yeah. me. Yeah, because he leaves the school, and as soon as he leaves the class, and he's walking down the hallway, and Chris rolls up on him, and uh, and Chris is like, you know, hey man, I heard about the news, and Jeff's like, what news? And and then all the rumors. Basically, Chris is lift, listing off the rumors that he heard, and then this other buddy of Jeff rolls up. His name's Jim. Yeah. This guy, by the way, is a character actor too. I didn't track him, but I do know that he's been in a shit ton of movies as well. Uh, I didn't, I didn't kind of pl- recognize him at all. Yeah. So uh, I, I did track the guy. His name's uh, John Scott Clo, And he, I mean, shit, he's been in phantoms. <laughs> fucking phantoms um he was in the fucking dean Koontz novel yeah dude uh captain ron melrose place herman's head um just a, a bunch of stuff when you see this guy guys when you see this movie you're gonna be like i know that guy uh anyways i i think it's just worth noting you know yeah, that yeah. he was and, and just really quick to go back uh the actor who's no longer with us uh, his name, who played the history teacher, his name's Roy London. Uh, he played Maurice in Jake Speed, which I, as you very well know, I love that movie. So, anyways, back to the action. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jim and Chris. <laughs> it reminds me of a time when I, uh, when Tony Timpone, I, you know, would see Tony Timpone all the time at Fangoria conventions with my brother. 
and he'd see us, and sometimes he'd get our names right. He'd be like, oh, it's Zach and Eric. And sometimes he'd be like, oh, it's Mitch and Chris. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> what? So, <laughs> anyways, uh, the, the three of them are basically talking about all the rumors that they heard about what's happened to Jeff and the Cobras. And Jeff's like, look, nothing happened. It's all, it's fine. Everything's fine. Like, the, nothing's going to, nothing's going to happen. And Chris is like, well, there's going to be a lot of people upset. And Chris is like, well, I got your back, man. Don't worry. You know, we'll kick their asses if we need to, basically. Um, from there, you cut to Jeff in his next class with Sherry. Uh, and he tells her what happened. And Jeff's like, you know, talking about how it's no big deal. It's all been settled. And Sherry's like, well, I wish I wasn't the last one to hear about this. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. It's going to be one of those girlfriends. <laughs> not going to lie. Sherry's not my favorite character in this movie. Yeah, not going to lie. She reminds me. It, it it it's kind of accurate when it comes to like you know, the, annoying girlfriends. <laughs> those kind of yeah, those kind of girlfriends. Yeah, like you get like you get in an argument because you were the last one to know about something that happened. You should have found me first and told me. Right, like, dude. This really harkens back to shit in high school. Actually, it's kind of accurate. So there you go. Um, yeah. So so Sherry's like, well, I don't think it's. You know, I don't think it's that big deal either. And I just don't want to be the last one to know. Like, okay, womp womp, just stop flirting or whatever. Anyways, from there, you cut to uh, the jail cell where Chooch and Cinco and the whole gang are there. And Chooch is like, you know, Jeff's a narc and we got to we got to take him out. And Cinco says, you know, nothing's more more important than pride. And, uh, you know, I'm going to deal with Jeff. Which is kind of harkens back to him, you know, deserting the gang in the beginning of the movie. And oh, yeah. it's brought up again. Right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. No, I mean, he's it's remarkable that a whole year's gone by without any ramifications. I mean, I'm amazed that they could even cohabitate at the same school without getting into it. My, so here's my little world build. My world build is that it hasn't been an entire year. It's been an entire, like, maybe school year. Okay. The school year ended. They had the summer, and they come back with a clean slate. That's So I don't think a whole year has passed, but I think or what you definitely would, some. Or what you would perceive to be a clean slate and, like, you know, like, you know, because, yeah, you, they, they didn't talk over summertime or something. And Yeah. 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 Okay. Which, All right. That I'll buy happens. that. I'll should buy happen. that, even though the title card did say one year later. But I'll, I'll yeah. go with what you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to say one school year later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in your head, I can see it just like like putting the little arrow up and then school in between the, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay. Edit, All right, buddy. Edit. I'm with you. <laughs> From there, we cut to really shitty basketball practice or game. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's a practice, right? A scrimmage? Yeah, sure. It's it it's, yeah, yeah, like shirts versus, it's just practice or whatever, but not a shitty song though. No. Oh, dude. The great, great great music playing throughout yep <laughs> and you could insert your own singing if you want to but uh and so i wrote down this sounds like a michael bolton song like early michael bolton which i love early michael bolton hey. believe it or not hey man all i'm saying is i loved all the music in this movie and i sure if it's michael bolton-esque then i'll take it i tell you so michael bolton had a song that was actually in back to school everybody's crazy right 
Michael Bolton used to be like a hairband guy. Yeah. In fact, his lead guitarist was Bruce Kulick, who went on to play for Kiss when oh, Kiss dropped the makeup. Oh, so, uh, and Bruce Kulick is super talented. I'm just saying, Michael Bolton was a rocker. His early shit is worth checking out. So uh, I rock his catalog just like John C. McGinley did in Office Space. <laughs> um, just saying. Anyways, I love this because the coach, you know, the coach is like coaching him, and it's Jake Speed. I'm just going to call him Jake Speed. And and he's like, you guys play like a bunch of girls. Come on, girls. <laughs> like, oh, man, the 80s. The 80s. When we could be sexist and get away with it. <laughs> yep. Yup. Sherry's watching. She's all hot and bothered. She's watching her thirty-eight <laughs> year old boyfriend rock out on the Hey, hey man, we're we're gonna see her uh twenty-seven year old boobs pretty soon, so those are probably a body double, by the way. Oh, I'm just gonna say. No, that's a good I think point. Because you double. don't see her I don't think you see her face. Oh nope. now you just ruined no. it for me. Sorry. Womp womp. <laughs> it's not as bad as uh Tia Carrere in Showdown a Little Tokyo where she has a sex scene with um, Dolph Lundgren and, you know, they cut to her face and she's like, oh, oh, it's so good, you know, and then they cut to her chest and it's clearly like some <laughs> like porn star chest. Yeah. It's not the same. Anyways, uh, fun fact. So, yeah, from there, they Sherry and, and Jeff leave the game and they cut to them in bed at her house. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I'd never done that before. And he's like, what do you mean? We've done this bit. And she's like, in my parents' house. And then she gets all emotional. She looks like she's like, I don't know, like she's got a little cat allergy or something because her eyes are pretty red. Yeah. And uh, and she's scared of the whole, I'm kind of scared of the whole gang stuff. And please don't get involved. Promise me, please. And Jeff's like, I promise I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight anyone. Yeah. You're, you're stuck I'm with a me. lover. Yeah, I, I like <laughs> that. And he did a good job on his delivery. He was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm a lover," you know. I, he's in. It's he is like Adam Baldwin is the glue that makes this movie so like entertaining. You know, like he is the best part of the movie, which is great because he's it's he's always in every scene pretty much. Um, yeah. So I, I love seeing like this much Adam Baldwin. To be honest with you, I think it's great. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. There were a few moments during their exchange where it's almost like one actor is waiting for the other actor to say their line. So <laughs> there's just a slight pause. It's just a, it, it happens once or twice in this exchange, which is entertaining as fuck for me because I'm just like, no, oh, they're totally waiting for the person to say the line. It's great. Um, like this was the first scene they did. And, you know, the, maybe the second time around it would have been better. But they're like, yeah, this is good enough. We'll just leave it. It's, it's good. And so. You know, yeah, they start, uh, she's like, you know, I'm a lover. And they go back to fucking, uh, sorry, making love. <laughs> and then suddenly the parents are home. Sherry, we're home. Oh, shit. So Sherry jumps out of bed and it's clearly a body double. Oh, yeah, goes, I know. And I'm I'm better than that. I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm I, better than that. I know that if you don't see their face, it's a body double. And yeah, she went, she goes running by, but she only see the back of her and their side boob. But then she pops out with her sweater on but then or like her bathrobe on but that could have been the actor just standing in there with her damn bathrobe while there's a blonde naked lady standing next to her you know it's really it's really funny because it's so obvious it's almost as bad as uh, action jackson when like a black guy gets blown out the window but it's actually a white guy (laughs) and you're like oh that's wow that was terrible um it's not that bad but it's pretty close anyways yeah she goes and grabs her bathrobe and she's like, I'll be right down. 
and she's like, you got to get out of here. Uh, you know, you, and he's like, well, can I come down with you? And she's like, no, go out the window. And he said, go out the window. Okay. And so she, she comes out and, uh, to go see her parents who are downstairs. First, she sees her mom. Uh, her mom, by the way, is married in real, was married in real life to her, the guy who plays her dad, which we'll get to in just a second. <laughs> just don't spoil it yet, Corey. I know Corey's like chomping at the bit. We can see each other on, on Skype and he's just like, ah, ah, I want to be the one. I want to be the one to say who it is because it's so fucking awesome. Um, yeah, so she sees her mom and her mom's like looking all strung out. Her mom actually looks like the same age as as uh sherry yeah yeah kind of does that. which i guess is um good points for the mom right yeah sure it sure. works why not and suddenly the dad walks in who's the dad <laughs> i was like i was like just look watching the movie just watch i was like huh what is that wings motherfucking house <laughs> uncredited so that makes sense now knowing that at the time that was his wife they were probably like well we need the husband it's probably only like i mean you know you can tell that the the mom only has like one or two days of shooting and that's it so she was probably like just use my husband wings you know why not and then wings like hey he's a good time guy all the he has the curliest hair i was like oh young wings hauser man i love you so much I love wings so much. I want to get back to him in just a second because he has a really good, he has a really funny delivery of this line. Yeah. Because, you know, so they're like, oh, oh, mom, you know, Sherry's like, oh, mom, you're not feeling good. She's like, no, you know, honey, I'm okay, though. And then who walks down the stairs but Jeff? And then the mom looks so pissed off, like, like someone just took a shit on her pasta and, and you know, he says hi to everybody. And then the dad just looks up at Jeff and goes, Jeff, good night. Yeah. yeah. That's all he says. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of our house, basically. And and it's so, great. Yeah. But it's 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 great. Like, seriously, like Wingshauser's electricity in like 30 seconds on the screen. And I was electrified by him. Although I felt like the scene ended kind of weird because Jeff is still standing on the stairs and wings, you know, delivers his line perfectly fucking flawlessly. And Jeff just sort of sits there like having this like weird look of mild, like, you know, just perturbedness to him. And, but you know, there's no like music or whatever, just the normal sound. And I was like, this is weird. It's a weird cut. And then what I realized while I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is where you would, like, if this was a TV show, there would be the laugh track right there. There'd be the bump, bump, yeah, bump. Totally. You know, there'd be some sort of, like, musical, la- either laughter or musical score at the end of this little, you know, of, of uh, you know, emphasizing Jeff's deflation, basically. But it, there, it isn't there. So it's just kind of a weird shot of Jeff just looking, you know, a little deflated. Yeah, it, it is a it is a weird shot. Um, it <laughs> And it's such a bummer that we never see wings again. Right. Is, I'm like, no more wings. I know. And it's just like, yeah, the, the, the scene ends on a weird shot, but the scene is still gold because of fucking wings. Hauser for the, the nanoseconds that, that wings. Hauser was in this movie, uh, makes this movie fucking better. So at, by the time we're recording this, um, there was a weird rumor earlier this year that wings. Hauser had died. Somebody on Twitter, like just put a post out, like saying rest in peace, wings or something like yeah. that. Anyways, it got everybody buzzing to the point that 
his wife issued some sort of statement. Uh, and suddenly Wings Hauser was like trending on Twitter, which is awesome as he should. Like I would love it if, if B movie actors could just trend more prominently than <laughs> current politics. Uh, but yeah, so it got me thinking about all the, the movies in his catalog and yeah. I started kind of going through and, you know, on our, uh, on, on my other podcast, I did like a little birthday or like not a birthday compilation, but like a compilation of his movies. Uh, cause I thought, you know what? He's not dead, but we should celebrate this yeah. guy because he's he's a he's a really good actor, and he's been in a shit ton of various roles throughout his career. And and on that note, I'm I fucking love Cole Hauser as well. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Pitch Black, and I thought he was awesome in that movie. And I just always wondered why he never got more exposure, like you know, like got bigger roles. I thought he was great, but at the same time, I always loved Wingshauser as well. So you know, <laughs> what's that one movie, The Carpenter, where he's on the oh, cover? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of those movies. That there's like certain movies that that their covers will forever be burned into my my retina because they were in the eye shot of the register at the at the video store that I worked at for like ten years. And because, yeah. like as I've said before, the video store. It's your typical mom and pop store where we only made the money on the adult stuff in the back. And we had yeah. to have the reg, quote unquote regular movies because uh, Maryland's law was it was a uh, t- uh, 10 to one units. Right. So you had to have 10. You could have 10 movies, regular movies, and then one uh, porn. L- later, we found out a unit can be anything. So baseball cards and shit. So like thousands of baseball cards would be 10 to one as well. Um, but. Because no one ever rent or bought the regular movies there, they literally sat in the same spot for yeah. years, Faded you know, fading and, dusty. and yeah, yeah. And getting covered in dust. Because none of us cleaned. Because you know the whole store was just run by a bunch of dudes. None of us cleaned. None of us like changed, like mixed things up or anything. Because it didn't fucking matter. So I, st- I. St- Stared at that fucking Carpenter cover forever, <laughs> and I love Wings Hauser, but that fucking cover, I hate that fucking thing, man. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's had some tour de force roles. I'm sure one of his movies will wind up in on our pad. I hope so. Uh, they it will eventually. I know that, but yeah, and I give me Wings and Cole any day over Gary and Jake. Busey. Yeah. I'm just saying, I like Gary and Jake Busey as well, but give me a coal and a wings. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I will day. I will second that. And, and by saying that I have nothing against Gary Busey or Jake Same. Busey, I, I very much enjoy them both, but I would rather watch Wings and Cole Hauser any day over them. Yeah. Back. So from our epic Wings, <laughs> take these broken wings. <laughs> Um, learn back to fly again. Learn to live <laughs> softly. <laughs> the voices sing. Book of love will open up. Let us in. Yeah. Sorry, I had to go the full. Do the full verse. Please do. Please do. And by the way, that that song sits firmly in my '80s Grady's playlist. Man, I fucking love that song. So I just I I will say that's Mister Mister right that's Mister Mister yep. if you want a song besides love that love that song too by the way good song too that my third favorite Mister Mister song is a song called Uniform of Youth okay oh it is top 
dollar kick ass if you want a good workout song that is a great uniform of youth it's great okay um, well when we when we're done recording uh, you may have to remind me but i'll 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 find that one yeah uniform youth okay so back at school <laughs> i love that, again this is like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like let's show off some cool kids there i uh, could cut back to school and there's like a bmx biker doing his thing yeah like, yeah <laughs> randomly, and almost hits the uh some of the cobrettes that are walking by yeah that bmx guy was kind of cool man because he was like doing a trick and whatnot and i think gina gershon was walking by and kind of swatted his bike while he was up on one wheel but the thing kind of spun around and he just hopped over it and didn't even like break a sweat and i was like damn that was actually kind of impressive made me want to watch like rad or something you know yeah, dude, like it, it was a moment where, again, uh, this all seems to be shot in the same little area at the high school. They use they like reuse the same locations throughout this movie. Um, so you're back at like a very similar scene, like maybe where the 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 martial arts gang, the Tams were working, were doing their business earlier in the movie. Um, and then, yeah, you got BMM, BMX biker giving no shits to Gina Gershon. None at all. I love it. I love it. So from there, uh, yeah, Jeff rolls back up and with Chris in the car. And then the nerd from earlier, um, Norman, I think. But yeah, Norman. Sans glasses, because yeah. Norman's mm-hmm. now missing his glasses. Uh, I love this. He's like, I heard about what happened, and I want you to know I, I'm going to back you up, man. Yeah, and then Jim rolls up too. Yeah, it's so cool, man. No, like, it's just it's. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's cool as shit that fucking and Norman and and it'll come into play later too. But like, I love the fact that fucking Norman's got his back now. I'm like, that's cool. Jim gives him like some shit about it, but it's like, but nah, I'll take. You know what? I'll take Norman over Jim any fucking day after the end of this movie. Yeah, because because Chris. Okay, so Jim, Jim's like, you know, I don't. Chris is like gung ho. Chris is like, we're going to kick the shit out of these fuckers, man. We're, you know, I got your back. Don't worry, man. We're going to kick their asses. We're going to gang up on them. We're going to jump the, we're going to jump the Cobras. We're going to take them down. And, uh, and Jim's like, well, you, I don't know about this guys. I don't know if I want to do that. Jim's really hesitant th- through the whole thing. But Chris is like f- guns blazing. He's got his back. Right. And as they're all talking about what's happening, everyone's watching Jeff and, and smiley comes up. And confronts Jeff. Smiley's the first one out of jail, I guess. Suddenly he's out. Of, he's he's fine. He confronts Jeff and he's like, Cinco says you're a dead man. Uh. Yeah. And uh, super, super fucking pathetic. Smiley is just absolutely so ineffectual here. Is that, yeah. that the right word? Yeah. He's not effective, right? Is that is that the right word? And ineffectual? If it's not. I know what you mean, yeah. so I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. He's just not—he's not intimidating <laughs> at all. How about that? He's not at all intimidating. No, with his with his with his vest and yeah. his rosary hanging mm-hmm. and his like little tattoo on his arm. Um, I think he has a tattoo. Anyways, yeah, I love. Kind of Jeff blows him off after that, and they and they leave to go out of the, of the school, or they go they leave the little quad area to go to school. And Chris is messing with the cobrettes that are hanging by the uh, the entrance, and he's like, "You wanna you wanna fuck with me? You wanna fuck with me? Yeah, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, trying to be all big and and whatever. And sa- sadly, the, the I think the Cobrets are more intimidating than Smiley is. So at least the, the that one uh, p- patch, and then the the one with short hair, the the Butch one. <laughs> which which Butch? You mean all of them? I know, I know, I know. They they remind me, you know, they they uh, going back to the Warriors again. It's like fourth or fifth time I've referenced the Warriors. They remind me of the Lizzies. Yeah, the Lizzies. I I think the Lizzies were were, so were better. <laughs> oh, way better, way better. Anyways, um, yeah, Jeff's walking to class. Sherry rolls up on Jeff. Thanks for last night, pal. And uh, and he's like, hey, did everything go okay with your folks or something like that? And she's like, you know. Uh, I'm the queen of alibi. I'm the alibi queen. I can sell fridges to Eskimos. Racist. And she's <laughs> like, I handle them. Um, and they're still walking. And then the the leader of the Tams, who was doing his uh, katas earlier in the movie, rolls up. And he's like, look, you know, I heard about what happened. And we got your back if you join us, if you join our gang. Yeah. And he wants to recruit them. And Jeff's like, like no, I, I don't want to do that. And I love this. Like you said earlier, Adam Baldwin is a grade A actor. He's a great actor, period. And he's working with guys that maybe this is the first and only time they've done a movie. Right. So he's helping them in the scenes by just you know keeping the scene going and the energy going. And it's so good because you're looking at this guy going, man, I really feel bad for this dude. He tried to turn a corner. You know, This is where it hit me. This is where I was like, this is the Buddy Ravel story from 3 O'Clock High. Okay. This is Buddy Ravel. This is the guy who all he wanted to do was just be left alone and just do his own thing. But he got forced into a situation that he had to deal with. And we'll come back to 3 O'Clock High at the end because it's my own little personal world build where I'm like, ooh, I think I'm going to have to reach out to Phil Juano, the director of 3 O'Clock High, and ask him if he was influenced by this. Anyways. Unfortunately, you're also going to – these references are going to be lost on deaf ears because you know I've never seen 3 O'Clock High. I know, and that's a tragedy because you need to see that. I don't think we. It's not a pad related. It doesn't yeah. fit the pad mold. But you have to. You should see that movie, dude. Because I, I think know. I think that movie you'll really get a better appreciation out of Richard Tyson outside of him being at JP's. Um, <laughs> My interaction with him at JP's. <laughs> yes, which he loves fondly. Anyways, cut from there. Jeff is in class with Jake Speed. Uh, his coach yeah. and coach is the uh, well, teacher. Yeah. And there's also this blonde kid in the front of the class that is clearly a man, full on <laughs> man at the front of the class. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. So, so uh, it's driver's ed. It's funny that the coach is teaching driver. Do you guys, do any, any of you uh, guys and gals remember driver's ed back in the day? Remember metal shop? Remember wood shop? Yeah. Remember all those yeah. great classes we could fucking have because school had the funding for that shit? No, not anymore. Not anymore. I don't think even the home ec, bro. Home ec. I know. Come on. I you know. know. They don't offer that shit anymore. Oh, you could take like either music or you could take a sport. That, you remember when you could take everything? Yeah. Everything? Yeah. Well, see, and the oh. thing is, like, when I was in high school, and this was, like, 96, so this was about 10 years later, uh, driver's ed was something you did afterwards. So, like, we didn't have driver's ed as, like, a normal class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. We did have – I did have shop – like like wood shopped or something in middle school, but in high school I didn't have any of that. It's a shame, dude. Like 
not not to get on a soapbox, but it's a shame that they don't offer that stuff anymore. Yeah. Because it, it's important, man. Like auto shop, drafting, ceramics class. Yeah. Like the, those are classes. Those yeah. are the classes that I was like, oh, school's not half bad. Yeah. And then yeah. I went to my the core classes. I hated them. And then like you know I, I you know I, I tell people it's it's sad because. You know, we, we, we did trig- trigonometry and algebra in, in school, but, like, I don't know, like, what escrow means. Like, there, there's it's just sad because yeah. at some point these these things that you're learning in school are just not going to be applicable at all. But yet the American dream is we're all supposed to buy a house one day, so why don't they teach you in school, like, actually how to buy a house or something? Now, that being said... I do understand too that like learning algebra and trigonometry and stuff like that, it's not necessarily about the numbers. It's also about tra- training your brain to learn yes. a, a different way. So I'm not at all that. shitting on like taking math classes. I just think no. you should also take like real life shit that shit that like actually is applicable to real life. And yeah, sure. Maybe our parents, you know, should have taught us that. Like, uh, you know, I've never fucking bought a car in my life because my dad was a car salesman. So like, that's a skill that I don't have at all you know yeah. but uh you know you you and i were latchkey kids fucking raised by single parents my mom didn't have doesn't have time to barely had time to herself to like put a roof over my head let alone teach me like how to you know balance a checkbook or, or you know stuff like that that you're just gonna have to figure out later on as you get older that there's my soapbox yeah fucking fucking S- fucking school <laughs> fucking betsy devos anyways <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, so they're they're in class. Jake Speed, driver's ed teacher, and there's an announcement over the uh, loudspeaker, talking about what happened the day before. Uh, that twelve thousand dollars in drugs were confiscated. It's basically a lecture of all the great things that you know America uh, that the cops did and busted the the drug the, the cobras. Smiley's already back in school though. Uh, we know that for sure, and we cut. You see him for a second, then you cut to um, Moran in the office with Horner. At first, I was like, are we only going to see Moran and Horner in their office the entire time? Do they film this out of sequence? This is, you know, they got these big-name actors for this movie, and they could only shoot, like, one day with them. Yeah. No, but it felt like that at this point in the movie. Um, And then basically, yeah, Moran is is with Horner. and Moran's like, you know, telling him that the kids are going to get out of jail soon. Uh, that Cinco blames Jeff. And uh, Horner is like, oh, well, you know, we can use Jeff. He owes us. He owes us for helping him clean up his record, which is cool. It's a callback to what happened earlier in the movie that he yeah. was in a gang and blah, 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 blah. So from there, I like that. I really like that. You cut back to Jake Speed's class <laughs> and um, and Jake's. Jake Speed. The teacher is giving his lecture about driver's ed, and then in walks this kid uh, to give a note. Yeah, this is another little cameo <laughs> and a real genius nod as well. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, because so he was one of the nerds in Real Genius as well. I I didn't know him from Jack Shit Shinola, but I loved his energy. I love the shit that he was giving Jake Speed in this, you know, in this scene. He just has a well, yeah. he has a great fucking energy where he's got to deliver the note and then, you know, he's got a little back and forth, but fucking I didn't I mean, let me read let, let me read the back and forth really Okay, quick, yeah, sure, sure. Before, Go ahead. Before you get into that cuz it's funny because <laughs> yeah, the principal uh, the, the kid gives this note to Jake Speed 
And Jake Speed's like, oh, man, can't this wait? And the kid's like, can't you read? <laughs> and then Jake Speed looks at him and goes, can you read? And he <laughs> yeah. slaps him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. So this kid, and he's great. He's got like, you know, a total of 20 seconds on screen, but he's fucking yes. fantastic. And it is Dean Devlin who fucking wrote Independence Day, Godzilla, fucking Stargate, always working like with Roland Emmerich and whatnot. But like he is a huge fucking night, like late 90s, early 2000s writer. I was like, holy shit. He's not only that, so he got his start as an actor. He was in The Wildlife, the uh, Chris Penn loose sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And then he was in Real Genius as one of the nerds. You know, they're beauticians or whatever. There's a, he's got a, not, he doesn't utter that line, but uh, he's got a pretty prominent nerd role in that movie. Yeah, he had like little side roles. And then he did Moon 44 with Roland Emmerich. Moon 44, which we referenced in our Straight to Video. Uh, yep. Uh, edition of the watch list, which you guys should all check out. Yep. And yeah, like you said, he went on to write some of the biggest nineties action movies, sci-fi action movies, uh, that we blockbusters. I, I I wonder if he just like just had Roland Emmerich's ear and they just hit it off because I mean they went on to have this you know really tight knit creative uh, uh, working relationship and it's interesting that you know they they met on on Moon Forty Four with of course uh, Michael Perez and that and Brian Thompson yeah. but uh, it's 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 interesting Malcolm it's, McDowell it's interesting to to track that guy's career because clearly like this is literally like it goes a bunch of stuff and then moon 44 boom done he just was like oh shit i'll be a writer now and that's hey that's cool too you know yeah i'm i think we're gonna have to get him on uh pad interview series because uh he if if i can get him i will because he's 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 good shit. He's the goods. And if we do get him, I am going to tell him that before I even recognized him or knew who he was, I was like, oh, I like that dude. This like this fucking one minute scene in 315. You know, I was like, he was fucking he was he was great in this one little nanosecond exchange. Yeah, he's got he's got a pretty much the same amount of screen time in the wildlife. And it's uh, where he plays a. Uh, liquor st- guy, kid who works at a liquor store, and Chris Penn kind of come, comes into the liquor store trying to buy beer off him, and he gives him a fake ID, and he's like, "Oh, you're so and so to Chris Penn," and Chris Penn's like, "Yeah," he's like, "You know, uh, you know this this girl." To Chris Penn and Chris Penn's like, oh yeah, I had her in the back of my car with her legs up high. I, uh, she was great, and he goes, "Yeah, she's my sister." <laughs> and he's like. Oh, oh, you're talking about that girl. Oh, she's so sweet, man. She's so sweet. I love that girl. Anyways, great exchange. Go check out the wildlife. You can get your hands on that shit. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Dean Devlin gets slapped, and then, then that's it. Uh, the Jeff, uh, the note is for Jeff to go see the principal, Principal Horner. Cut to Jeff in the principal's office, and Horner's saying to Jeff that Cinco claims the drugs are his, and... Uh, they basically want Jeff to be a narc for them. Yeah. You know, kind of set up Cinco when he gets out. And then Jeff's like, I don't have any choices, do I? You know, if I do one thing, I'll get busted for this. If I do another thing, I'll get killed. I don't have any choices. And it's I love this because he tells Horner to go fuck himself. He's like, fuck, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And Moran is like, and, and he goes, and you can, and he says to Moran, he's like, and you can go fuck him too. I love that. <laughs> 
Yeah, but so I, he I, says to Horner, I love that Moran, go fuck yourself. But Moran also gets the situation that he's in, though. And I like that. Yeah. I, I like that, that even though Moran's the cop or whatever, he never is like coming down hard on Jeff because he, he even says it. He, it's, it's here or whatever. When Jeff leaves, he's like, you know, we fucking put him in, in the middle of this fucking impossible situation. Of course he's going to get pissed off at us. Like, come on, you know? Yeah, I wrote down, I'm like, Moran wants, you know, Horner to lay off him and Horner wants to sacrifice Jeff to save the school, basically using Jeff as a way to get Cinco in jail, which we'll find out what that whole deal is for the sake of the school. Yeah. And Jake's as much as I don't like. Yeah. And Jake speed even says it later. Like Moran thinks he can save the school, but even if it means like sacrificing a couple students, you know? Yep, exactly. Um, so from there, Jeff leaves the, the office He's walking down the hallway. He yells someone again. Jeff's last name is Hannah. You hear someone yell out, Hannah, you narc who you been talking to. Right. And then, and then you hear the guy say time to die. And this dude steps out with a mask on and a gun. And Jeff looks pretty scared. And the guy pulls the trigger and it's like a toy gun. Nothing happens. Uh, and he takes, the mask off and it's punch and yep. it runs off. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess like, he did have three like, lines, like a little bitch, little bitch. Yeah. And, and, and punch does punch looks like he looks like the party boys in boogie nights. When, uh, when Jack Horner, is it Jack Horner, um, is introduced like to his new stars of the eighties, like these little strung out porn star kids. Yeah. Um, he looks like a little porn star kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy's probably gonna be, you know, knobbing on a knock, right? Or on, yeah, so. or the guy that played John Doe or whatever. Yeah, yeah, John Doe <laughs> or TT Boy or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, uh, TT Boy. <laughs> T. T. We're Boy. dating ourselves, man. I don't know any like new porn people, man. I only know like the fucking mid '90s porn people. <laughs> yeah, there's that dude, man, 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 Manuel Ferreira. He's the He's like the head honcho now, right? I don't know, man. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I, I've heard rumors. I hear things. I hear things. <laughs> Anyways, uh, from there, yeah, the ponch runs off. Now we're in class, and uh, and Sherry gets rolled up on by Jeff. Oh, well, he, it's kind of cool because he knocks on the window to sort of get her to come outside. Yeah, that's right. So she, she's in class, and, and uh, Jeff's on the outside looking at her, and he taps on the glass, and she comes out. And and they're, they're basically having this kind of exchange about what's happening. And uh, and he's like, look, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to I, I don't want to get involved in any of this. And then and then suddenly this is like Jeff's moment, his monologue. And he's like. I'm just, I'm just an unlucky guy. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, you're not unlucky. Come on. You know, you're, you're not, this, everything's going to be okay. It's kind of a weak scene. I, I understand why well, they did it. That's well, that's interesting. You say that because I like this scene because when they're sitting there talking, there's this awesome circular dolly shot that's happening when they're that's both cool. of their backs are against the, the pole. I was like, this is a really well-crafted scene right here. I mean, you have to, you, I mean, so guys, when there's like, anytime there's movement 
a camera movement in in a shot that takes time time costs money that eats into a budget of a movie so to set up an a, like this circular dolly shot that kind of rotates around them as they're talking they had to rehearse that they had to practice that they did that on purpose that isn't something you just come up with like last minute that is something that's planned out and very deliberate like there's a reason that the filmmaker the director said we need this this dolly shot right here and i thought that it gave the scene like an energy to it that it that it kind of needed it made it more than just you know them talking it kind of gave, gave it this intensity that i i really really enjoyed it, it makes the scene better for sure i'm just feeling like the fact that he says he's feeling unlucky yeah. The, like they yeah, the, cut some, they probably cut something out of the movie, or they needed to add something to the movie to add to that idea of why is he feel he's unlucky. Right. So, know? so the the dialogue isn't quite as good as say the camera work in this scene, or yes. or the music even. Right. The di- or the actors. Like yeah. everyone is. It, the funny thing is, all parts of the the puzzle are doing their job except the dialogue and this obviously emphasizes how important good dialogue is because you can have all the other pieces to the puzzle working spectacularly but if your dialogue is kind of wackadoo then yeah you're going to be like eh that was kind of lame and so what i'm saying is i don't think you're wrong you know but for me i was like i was more impressed by the the pretty awesome dolly shot hey maybe i'm just easily impressed like that right no no i i i agree i cinematography is one thing the script the script just was weak i feel like the actually i kind of feel like throughout this whole thing that's the only factor that makes this movie a little less than is is the script however i still love the movie that doesn't take away from my love of it because it's so 80s yeah and it's and the the cliches are so funny and so entertaining but yeah there's moments like this where you're like oh it's cringeworthy and and at this point I'll I'll concede that to you. I'll, I'll say you're right about that. the The script is probably the weakest part of this this film. But you know, at this point, and I'll even say on the second time viewing, I mean, I've already, I've, I see it. I saw it twice in in two days. You know, just to get prepared for it. I I was into it the entire time. So you know what I mean. So so the this yeah, the script wasn't the strongest, but I'm so far loving the fucking movie as we're going through it. I do. I will have things to say about the third act, though. So <laughs> trust yeah, me. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> Lots of wait. things to say so, about the third act, unfortunately. <laughs> but but for now, for now, I'm I'm loving it. I'm fucking loving yeah. it. Ditto. Ditto. So from here, uh, Sherry walks off on her own, and the gang girl, the Cabre- the Cabrets are kind of lurking around, watching her, and Laura, Jeff's old flame grabs her pulls sherry to a corner away from the cabrettes and like basically says you know meet me at tell jeff to meet me at club zero tonight it's about cinco and then sherry leaves laura's smoking and walking and the cobrettes are kind of eyeing her like something's up you know that kind of wondering what's going on like why would she be involving herself with sherry from there MVP, Mario Van Peebles, M16 gang leader. Uh, it walks up to Jeff at, in the hallway. And it, this is, again, a, I think I wrote all the dialogue down It's because it's, it's weak. And he's like, look, man, Cinco is sick. He's in jail. He's getting out, and he's got no reason to kill. That doesn't bother him. And I'm like, wait, what? 
that yeah. makes no fucking sense yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Jeff to be prepared. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to read that again. Cinco is sick. He's in jail and he's getting out. He's got no reason to kill. And that doesn't bother him. Like, if he's got no reason to... Yes, he does have a reason to kill. It's like, I recognize all those words as English, but the way you're telling them to me, I don't understand what you're saying. So he's, he's getting out of jail, and he's going to kill me. But he's got no reason? Okay, great. Like, why didn't you say that? He's, he's talking like Yoda is the problem. <laughs> well, the motherfucker, he does have a reason to kill. Like, that's he's in jail because... Because of... Because of the guy... Yeah. It's Jeff, and he wants to kill Jeff. That's the reason, yeah, right there. What, nah, you, what this? You're right, dude. the The dialogue, the dialogue is the weakest link in this in this movie. But, but me, but on the flip side of that, the the ying to that yang is unlike. But I love these two guys. I love Mario Van Buren. Yeah. I love Anna Baldwin. I, I know. So do no wrong. I know. <laughs> so here we go. It's not their fault. They're just reading what's on the page. Anyways, from there, uh, Chris and Jim. Chris, Jim, and Jeff. <laughs> Chris, Jim, and Jeff. The... Zach and Sean, Jim, and Jeff. Chris and Max. Hey, Bill and Fred. What's up, guys? Yeah, they're at the locker room. Babcock with, and Finch. Uh... Finch and Babcock. <laughs> Babcock, bitch. Uh, so, what did he know, room. bitch? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, no one's gonna buy that shirt at all. <laughs> no, but I will someday when I have some yeah, money. Yeah, we have all the money. Fun money. <laughs> Fun money. Um, yeah, they're at a locker. Uh, they're at, they're at the lockers and they're talking about, uh, what's going down. And Chris is like, you know, I want to jump them before they jump you, man. Fuck you, Chris. Fuck you, Chris. Fuck you. Guys, I'm sorry. Spoil alert for for what comes later, but fuck you, Chris. All right, go back, (laughs) go back to it. I had to say my piece, but fuck you, Chris. It's okay. But, and, and, and I will give Jim some credit because Jim's like, you know, if this, if we do this, it's not, it's not going to do anything if we jump them and, and it's just going to continue. It's going to get worse. Or yeah. And he's, he's like, see... or they'll pick us off one by one when we're by ourselves and alone. I mean, yeah. Jim is, is, I mean, in, in, you know, obviously Jeff didn't want to be in this situation, but Jim's the smart one. J- Jim's like, it's not worth it. It'll screw up our college records. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, mm-hmm. it's, he's absolutely right. And he's like, look, I'm your friend, but I don't want to do this. I don't blame the guy. Yeah. You know, he's a fucking normal person. And the Cobras are drug dealing gangbangers. Like, I don't wouldn't want to get involved in that either. No. You know? Sorry. So I got got a whole fucking future ahead of you, man. Right. And so and then Chris is like gung ho. He's like, no, man, we're going to kick their asses. and We're going to, you know, get shit done. And and Jeff doesn't want to just like, no, it's not, I don't want to. You know, we're not going to this isn't going to happen. Basically cuts to Jeff working out in the locker room. And this is a kind of a cool shot. So he's bench pressing and suddenly the Cobras come in and hold the bar down on him. Uh, so you get from his perspective, he's like upside down looking at the Cobras and it's Smiley, Whitey and Ponch. So those three guys have now gotten out of jail. So the only two who haven't gotten out of jail yet are Chooch and <laughs> Chooch, Chooch and Cinco. Yeah. Um, not Sace, not his <laughs> 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 fucking names, man. Uh, so, yeah, so they're like, you know, oh, we're going to we're going to kick your ass and then. uh and they're going to fuck Sherry. And they're like basically egging him on. 
and they're like, "What? Come on, you want to fight us?" And and I won't say what they call them, but it's the the F word, yeah, you know, F A double G O T. And they're just egg- and this gets thrown around a lot, but it's the '80s when they did all that shit. Um, and they just keep fucking with them, and they're trying to egg him on so he'll start fighting them, but he won't fight him. He won't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, take the carrot, and they're done fucking with him, and then they split. That's it. Done. Cut to lunch in the quad, and it's now uh, at the table. It's Norman, our nerd friend who got his glasses broken earlier, who said he's got Jeff's back, Sherry, Chris, and Jim. And Sherry's looking all disheveled and, like, worried and shit. And, uh, and they're asking Jeff why, why, is, why he doesn't want to fight, and Jeff's like, kind of explaining why he doesn't want to do it, you know. And um, Sherry leaves to go dump her lunch tray in a – hissy fit like oh my god yeah. i don't want to be part yeah. of this it's really annoying because it, it's like wait you know with your big fucking skirt dress and looking like you're from you know uh little little house on a prairie and it's and it's because you're, you're gonna find out why after this scene why she's mad she's mad because uh the other girl laura you know wants to see jeff and you know are you kind of like are you cheating on me sort of thing i'm like like Laura was clearly not, you know what I mean? She was like, I'm one. No. Anyways, it annoyed the fuck out of me. Sherry annoyed the fuck out of me right here. I wanna, but I, I didn't yeah. wish, you know, I didn't wish her to get accosted by Whitey though. Of course not. So, so first of all, Laura said this is about Cinco. You know, she yeah. never said it was yeah. about like, cause it's almost like Laura was kind of doing a truce with Sherry. She's yeah. being cool yeah. to her. Yeah. And so, but Sherry's, a typical teenager probably taking it the wrong way, like oh my god, I'm jealous. Yeah. And so, and so she's all mad. She's all mad at Jeff right now, and, the, and she'll say that to Jeff after this exchange with Whitey. But but right now, Jeff doesn't know, and we don't know. But she's just all she's pissy. So on one hand, while the script is really shitty, on one hand, on the other hand, it's really smart because it does callbacks to those yeah. scenes, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's cool that mm-hmm. they call back to this. So um, so yeah. So that's why it had two writers. Maybe one writer wrote the, the yeah. crappy dialogue and the other one did the... Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's like you, you can... It's weird because you can have a good script but still have bad dialogue. Like a, like a, you can have a well-structured movie but then bad dialogue in it. And yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And then you can have Cyborg. And then you can... Yeah. <laughs> Why cyborg? I mean, I don't know. Why? I know we we hate it. I mean, I don't I don't mind any time uh, to shit on cyborg. <laughs> just just for fun. Just funny. for fun. So, sorry. Oh, fuck so uh, fuck cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you, JCVD. Uh, so yeah. So Sherry Sherry leaves, and she goes to jump, take her lunch tray, and bring it back to like the cafeteria counter. She, as she does this, Whitey's there with uh, with like smiley or paunch and and he's kind of harassing sherry and then he straight up asks for a blowjob yeah. he's like how about a blowjob and, and she slaps him which i love she slaps him and then he grabs her like a jerk and then jeff like sees what's going on and Again, Adam Baldwin, fierce. I wouldn't want to fuck with that guy ever because well, he looks like a linebacker. Well, and we, Bum rushes Whitey. And I don't think we ever mentioned, but like Adam Baldwin's like fucking six foot one or something. The dude's fucking yeah. tall he's, as shit. He's tall. He's jacked up. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, like we we all, everyone's known at least somebody in high school that, that's been that big who looks 30, but he's 17. And, so, and, and he gets, and he gets to 
from his table to Whitey and Sherry in like no time because of his fucking legs, you know? Yeah, I love it. He just rushes over, grabs Whitey. And it's a really interesting scene because at first it's a little weak the way he's kind of pulling him off Sherry. And you're like, okay, this is a little weak scene. But then, so set the stage, you know, when Sherry brings the, the tray back to the cafeteria, there's these dividing bars between each kind of lane where they line up to get their lunch. And the dividing bars are like the bars that you would see like in amusement parks or whatever, the steel ones. Well, there's like two levels, the top and middle and then the bottom concrete. And he slams his head between in the middle bar over and over and over and keeps slamming his head. And But he does it in a way that that Whitey's head is through the bar and, and he's grabbing his hair from like sort of the other side of it. So basically Whitey couldn't pull his head through and he's not yeah. like hitting his head downwards into the lower bar. He's like pulling his head back up into the upper bar. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but when you see it, you'll, you'll understand. And it's, actually pretty fucking brutal and cool like i wanted to see him i just i wanted to see him fucking kill whitey i mean one of the downfalls of this movie is you just want to see him just smash whitey and smiley's faces in to like a bloody fucking pulp and this is probably one of the the better more satisfying beatings that he sort of doles out on these guys at least to whitey yeah he he's given it to him and it makes total sense if someone's fucking with your girl. Yeah. You want to beat the shit out of him. And, and also Jeff is probably a ball of rage. That's penting all this stuff up, this anger inside him from, from this being a gang member. And now faced with the situation he's faced with now where the, the school wants him to be a narc and he just wants to be left alone and he's going to get jumped you know, like all this shit's balling up inside yeah. him. And, and of course, while all this is happening, I mean, it's still lunchtime. So like everyone's outside and and, the, and yeah. Jake Speed is there and he's like, he's like, Jeff, you know, let him go, you know, and Jeff's yeah. like still hold on to me. He's like, and he does this like fantastic line. He's like, let him go, you know, but it was, it, it was this, like there was a sadness to it. There was like, you know, you know, he knew what was happening. Like he's on his side, you know, but at the same time, you can't kill Whitey in front of me. You know what I mean? Um, but then I like how he's like, you know, he's like, let's go talk to Horner. And then Jeff's yeah. like, you know what? Let's, let's not. not. You know, yeah. because like every fucking time I go talk to Horner, everyone thinks I'm a fucking narc, you know? So yeah. he's like, you know what? Let's not. And just fucking love, walks away. That. Yeah, I, I love it's that. A, the scene had a lot of energy in it, and I, I really, really dug it. Really dug yeah. it. Yeah, I love that. Because cause Sherry Sherry has run off. Yeah. She's shocked by yeah. what she saw. Of course. You know, because, oh, my God, it's a little house on a prairie. And she runs off, and then he goes after her. And he finally catches up to Sherry and he's like, Sherry, come on. Hey, what's the big deal? And this is, again, weak, weak script because their exchange, he's like, come on, you know, what did you expect? And she's and this is when Sherry reveals that she's jealous about Laura. Yeah. He, he thinks uh, that she's going to get back together with Laura or something. Yeah. But like we said, it was like you could clearly tell from Laura's dialogue that she was like, look, I need to fucking talk to Jeff. Like, you know, it's about Cinco. Just, you know, she wasn't even like doing anything like weird. Like, Ooh, I need to talk to Jeff. Like it was clearly a business transaction, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very cut and dry. And, and then she's like, you know, you're, you're getting off on all this stuff. And then like, how is he getting off on this stuff? You know, why? Because he, he beat up the guy who was trying to rape you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. You're clearly 
an idiot. And so at this point, they're arguing back and forth. And then Sherry basically dumps Jeff. She's like, I don't want to see you anymore. And yeah. just walks off. And this is another really scene with a, with a lot of moving camera work to it, which means they put thought into it. They put, you know, it, this, this just like the other scene, uh, obviously the scenes with Sherry and Jeff are supposed to be the emotional core to the movie. And the director and the cinematographer knew that. That's why when Sherry walks away, you know, the camera's moving with her. When it cuts back to Jeff, it, the, the simple shot, the easy shot, is to have the camera just be static on Jeff. But no, yeah. it dollies backwards. It pulls away from, from Jeff. Th- that takes time. Again, that takes time to set up. That eats into their budget. This scene was important to them, and it is ruined by horrible dialogue. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. The, the, the scene, the exchanges they have are probably the weakest in the movie. Um, and, and then from there... We cut to a bathroom, a girl's bathroom, and the women's bathroom, and it's Patch, the leader of the Cobrettes, with uh, Gina Gershon, and Patch is complaining how she wants to be Cinco's girl. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why she's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Man, she is rough. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I'm going to get Laura, and, and then... And then there's, then there's that blonde girl in the group that's even rougher in the face. Yeah. She gets very little screen time. I think they just needed some, a blonde to fill in the back. This is like, uh, you know, Susanna Hoffs when she was in the Bangles. She's like so hot, right? Susanna Hoffs, the lead singer of yeah. the Bangles. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the Bangles. <laughs> it's Gina Gershon and the she's rest Susanna of the Hoff. Cobrettes. <laughs> yes, there's uh, Gina Gershon, who's Susanna Hoffs, and then the rest of the Cobrettes. And the, um, the irony is that, that Gina Gershon's not even the main like Cobrette, you know? I know, I know. Well, she should be. Anyways, um, yeah, Lo- uh, Patch is like, you know, I'm going to get Laura. And uh, and she whips her hair around with that, that whipping action. And... and and Gina Gershon's character is like, oh, yeah, you're so cool or whatever. From there, we cut to Ponch in the bathroom and Jeff rolls up on him, grabs him, throws against throws him up against the wall. And he's and he says, you know, tell Cinco that if he wants a war, he's got one back in the gym. Uh, Jeff is shooting hoops in his black shirt, and his black jeans with his converse on. And he gets confronted by Jake Speed and then. Jake Speed's like, you know, Horner's going to bring murder charges against Cinco. But he and he said the victim is going to be you, Jeff, basically saying that Horner is going to allow Cinco and his gang to come back on campus, kill Jeff. The cops will arrest Cinco and get rid of him for good, basically sacrificing Jeff. Yeah, he he doesn't mind saving the school to sacrifice uh, the kid. And you know, this this is a good piece of dialogue and exchange. Yeah, and and I actually wrote down what what Jeff said. Um, I, I wrote the latter part down. the The first part I'll par- paraphrase. But he was like, you know, I I I thought the other, last week I thought that if I could make ten free throws. Like everything would be a okay. And back when I rolled with Cinco, I thought if we could make it through one night without fighting somebody, everything would be fine. And then he says, I can't go back to the Cobras, and there's nothing in the world to protect me. I'm sorry. And there's nothing in your world to protect me. So I'm nowhere. Somehow I got to get used to that. Now, I love that. Okay. First off, I was writing this dialogue down because the first time I watched it, I didn't have the subtitles on. And I thought he said, 
somehow I got to use that. And I thought that was cool. So when I, like I watched that, yeah. it a second time, I'm I'm writing it down and I'm like, I write down, I can't go back to the Cobras and there's nothing in your world to protect me. So I'm nowhere and it goes, somehow I got to get used. I was like, get oh, get used to that. I was like, oh, fucking subtitles. I was like, I, I got it wrong the first time and I don't like <laughs> it as much. The, I don't like the actual dialogue as much as the one that I crafted in my head where it was right. like, somehow I got to use that. But you're right. It still is good dialogue. I, I Clearly, I keyed in on it, even though I was sort of wrong about it. But it's also because fucking Adam Baldwin is fucking awesome. You know, like it, the, the dialogue, even when it's shitty, I fucking enjoy seeing Adam Baldwin say it. You know what I mean? Like I, I enjoy it. But even though I was wrong, I, I still think that this exchange is great because I also too, I also like uh, the coach. I like his relationship with the coach. I like that he has people on his side. I like that the cops, um, you know, he, it's not like he, yeah, Horner kind of sucks, you know, but it's not like the cops are against him. It's not like the coach is against him. He's got a lot of people on his side. It's just Cinco, really, you know? Well, he, he's got a lot of people on his side giving him advice. He doesn't have anyone on his side actually supporting him. You are a hundred percent. My you, damn. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're right. You're a hundred percent. You have. A, he's got a lot of people on on his side saying that they'll support him, but nobody on his side when it actually comes to blows, except for fucking Norman. Yeah. So so this scene encapsulates what's going on with him perfectly because he starts it out on his own by himself. Mm-hmm. And then the coach rolls in and, you know, he's trying to reason with him. And then the coach walks off. I'm wondering how long this, how many times they had to shoot this scene because they, the shot is of, you know, it's a long shot of Jeff at the free throw line, getting ready to shoot a free throw as Jake Speed walks off. And as Jake Speed walks off, he shoots the free throw and he makes the shot. And yeah. I'm like, how many times did they have to shoot that? Maybe they did it in one take. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Cause he's that fucking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's perfect, perfect encapsulation of what's going on because he's by himself. He's totally by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, you cut you cut to the Zero Club, and Jeff rolls up to the Zero Club, and he gets in no problem with the with the uh, bouncer, and then he leaves the club because Laura's not there yet. Yeah, because he's and, he only like kind of steps into the club for like one second, looks around, yeah. and then hops back out. But this allows for another cameo. Did you recognize this cameo? Okay, is this the bouncer guy fighting with the other guy? Yeah, so 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 the bouncer so Jeff leaves the club and then the bouncer guy the, this guy tries to get in the bar and he's like, "Hey man, I just want to get in." And like he's drunk or something and the bouncer's fucking with him. They have this like exchange, yeah. a quick exchange. Yeah. And did you recognize the guy who's fucking with the bouncer? No. His name is John Doe. Okay. Uh, at the time, in the in the mid mid to early '80s, he was in a punk band, L.A. punk band, L.A. punk band called X, which is a really like cult underground, popular band. He later went on to become an actor, and he was in Boogie Nights too. He was um, Amber Wave's husband. Mm. They had the uh, the whole thing where at the custody hearing for their kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he reveals that you know my wife. 
is a she makes pornographic films. Yeah, you know? I'm an actress or whatever. Yeah, that's that's John okay. Doe. And so so my note on this was I said I like the little interaction between the bouncer guy and, and the other guy because I was like, why do they even give these characters this even this little bit of and, you know in a movie that's 84 minutes long? Why yeah. is there any? dedication to these little characters this little side exchange which but i liked i was like that's cool i love that shit that honestly that almost feels like um some star wars shit like where you see little things happening in the corner that you know he'll yeah, that lucas cool. will sort of linger on you know, like i'm talking with like the original trilogy stuff i was like i like this it made the world feel real but knowing that that it's was probably done obviously on purpose because they had this they put this guy in here or whatever but i was like you know what it didn't take me out of it i i didn't even I didn't even track it as a cameo. It just worked as a fun little exchange to happen in the movie to build the world. Yeah, it's a, it is it's definitely a cameo for sure because I think John yeah. Doe was yeah. very popular in the LA scene. So they yeah yeah, yeah it was great. No, yeah. I totally dig that that you picked up on it even though you didn't know who he was. Yeah, so I, I mean I, yeah, I have a whole note here for it that you know. So yeah, so clearly I I paid it. I noticed it. And I was like yeah, it's cool. Oh cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I I also noticed that fucking uh, Laura's uh, outfit now this this red dress with the black she looks like a superhero or or a street fighter character. I would say superhero street walker fighter. Yeah, there so, you go. Uh, <laughs> so so you know Jeff goes back to his car and Laura's there and they get in the car and I love this. The, as soon as she gets in the car, Laura says to her. Laura says come on, open me up. And I'm like, oh, shit. God damn. But meanwhile, Laura has a shit ton of makeup on, not a knock towards her because I'm sure she's a beautiful person, but she looks like she's 30. Uh, Yeah. So uh, finally, Jeff's like, no, we're not going to do that because he loves Sherry. And she says, okay, well, she cuts to the chase and she's like, Cinco says you're dead and he's going to get Sherry for the fun of it. Uh, Cinco's and I love this. This is a backstory. Goes back to the beginning of the movie. Cinco's pissed that you left the Cobras. And that makes total sense. Like he doesn't like when people leave him. That's what she says. There's something to that effect. Uh, you know, I mean, I gotta say, as as somebody who has abandonment issues, and I, you know, I have a hard time also when when people <laughs> leave me, not to the extent of wanting to kill them, but you know, you gotta figure uh, Cinco probably came from uh, divorced parents, like like I did, like yeah. you know, like you did, and uh, it it manifests in these these abandonment issues and stuff and it's it's sad because it's probably not a hundred percent Cinco's fault for you know for having like like being the way that he is you know but but that's maybe yeah. that's my my bleeding heart like liberalism or something but uh but you know it's just it's interesting and when she said that I was like oh Cinco it, it lot it makes a lot more sense to me and I wouldn't be surprised if the writer maybe not the dialogue writer but the writer of the story the crafting of the story understood Cinco more than you know probably he wanted to let on you know well I, I think with every one of our teen exploitation movies we've done some sort of breakdown on the main bad guy like the, whether we have sympathy for him or not Dutro not necessarily uh you know in class of 84 not necessarily in tough turf yeah maybe mm -hmm. and in this one yeah, yeah maybe i could see that um for sure so like 
I agree with you. I agree with you that it makes total sense why he would feel that way, especially because Jeff is like maybe like a big brother kind of character yeah. to uh, to Cinco. Yeah, because you know? we, we didn't call out the dialogue, but at some point, I, can't, I don't know if it's coming up or if it's already happened, but Jeff does mention like, why would Cinco, like we've, we've, we've had each other's back in so many fights. We've saved each other's asses so many times, but... Here's the thing, Jeff saying that, what you don't realize is if with somebody who does have abandonment issues, all those fights that you got in with him solidified your bond further, which means when it was broken, it hurt that much more. Because I don't think Cinco would be that mad about anyone else in the group leaving. I mean, of course he would be mad, and but I think Jeff was, like you said, a special, like a bigger, bro- a big brother type of thing. Like I think they, I think Cinco and Jeff. What we're missing in the story is that I think Cinco and Jeff had a stronger bond than the rest of them did together. Probably. Yeah, I think I think it was during this scene that that they he says that to Laura because Laura's his closest connection to Cinco. Yeah, uh, and they have history together. And so from there, it's funny because it, it it's not clearly shown, but you get the sense that Jeff just dumps Laura off on the sidewalk and takes off. <laughs> back at Zero she, Club, yeah. Yeah, because she walks back to Zero Club and, and he splits. And then when she comes back, you know what's going to happen to her. She's getting followed by a van. It's the Cobra's van. Uh, but there's a chick on top and you're like, that's kind of weird. This isn't teen wolf and she's not a wolf on top surfing, but whatever. Um, and, and it turns out it's the Cobrettes and they surround Laura and they confront her about where, who she was with. And, uh, patch uses her hair whip in a really weak way. It doesn't, it's not effective because it's like, Maybe they shot this. That's the first take they did, and they just went with it. It didn't hit her when they, or like barely hit her in the face, but she gets knocked down to the ground. So they just beat the shit out of her. They jump her. Yeah, they jump her. Yeah. You knew she had that coming from the minute she started talking to Sherry. Yep. Yep. From there, you cut to uh, Sherry's mom picking up phone rings at Sherry's house. Mom picks up the phone. It's Jeff. <laughs> no, no Wings Hauser to be found, unfortunately. No Wings Hauser. Womp, womp. But mom is a mega bitch, and she's just like doesn't want to even give Jeff the time of day. Um, and but then, you know, she Sherry gets the phone, and Jeff is <laughs> Jeff's trying to talk to Sherry about not going to school tomorrow. He's like, "Don't go to school tomorrow," uh, and she's like, "Well, I'm going to do whatever I want." And it's it's uh, she's so annoying because she's like I don't even want to talk to you right now uh, and my, I don't even want to be a part of this. And he's my like, my only note here is Sherry is annoying as fuck. Yeah, she is. I mean, look, I'm not gonna say she's not like chicks I've known in high school because I definitely have and slash dated. Uh, she's just she's just annoying. Like, but clearly, you know, he's into her. She's into him. But they have this. But she's the, doing that typical thing of like, you promised you were gonna like not even listening to a word yeah. he's saying. Yeah, you know, he's like just getting her lines out. He's like, bitch, your life is in danger, and she's like, yeah. but, man, you promised, and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Shut yeah. up, die, let her die. That's what I said. Just let her die. <laughs> let her die. Let her die. So, well, we're gonna find out what happens to her, uh, and and maybe that was the alternative take <laughs> we had on this character, but. Um, Cut back to from here. You cut to the police station the next day, and Senko is now out with a big old shiner on his face, like he got beat up. Uh, 
and you know they're like hey how are you he's like i don't want to talk about it or whatever and and he and he's there with the whole gang the whole gang's there to pick him up and he's tell and he says yeah you know he's made plans that he wants to meet jeff and his jock friends at 315 <laughs> and then i was like hey the name of the movie the i always name of the movie but i love it when the name of the movie comes in though i know i love that too but i'm like 315 actually it makes more sense okay so 315 you're thinking okay school ends at 3 315 give him some time to prep or maybe the school ends at 315 like right after school gets out but then there's something that comes up <laughs> ironically right, like in about 30 seconds where i'm like why'd they wait till 315 and uh so the the next scene is at school and there's an announcement over the loudspeaker that today's a half day yeah <laughs> I was like, huh, I, I, I literally, right when they said that, because, I mean, yeah, you're right. It comes like, right, first off, you know, I'm excited because Cinco says the name of the movie. So I'm like, yay, yeah. the name of the movie. And then, yeah. like, within a few minutes, they're telling you in the story that it's half day. And I'm like, yeah. huh, did maybe, maybe. Cinco didn't know that because he was in jail. Clearly, because he's like, in jail. And now like, his whole plan is like, there's too many there's too <laughs> many things in motion now. I can't yeah. change the time. But I picked up on that too. Uh, our pal Dustin, your your co-host for $2 Late Fee, uh, made a comment on, on the Instagram feed today about the, the name of the movie. And I even said that. I go, but the irony is like, because he's like, why does this take place at 3.15? Why not 3 o'clock? You know, it's yeah. like, and I know. And I was like, it gets even worse because the irony is, is that the, it's a half day that day. So it should be technically, it should be like one fifteen instead. Yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote like, he's got to sit around and wait to get his ass kicked at 3.15 and something like that. Well, they'll be here in two hours. So yeah. I got what two hours I to kill. What am I going to do until then? Jesus <laughs> Go home and shower. Well, you know, Jeff goes home. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I'll save that for a second. So uh, yeah, there's the half day announcement and uh, Jeff's in the bathroom. Uh, with with Chris and Jim, and uh, and 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 Jeff asks about Sherry. He's like, "Where's Sherry?" Right, and and they don't know where she is. So they basically searched everywhere for Sherry. They haven't found her yet. And he's like, "Well, did you check her homeroom?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't check her homeroom." <laughs> and he's like, "God damn it, guys!" And he he goes to check her check the homeroom for see if Sherry's there. And he runs to, and I think at, at that point, like Chris and Jim are like, "Why don't we check the homeroom?" I don't know. It's kind yeah. of a funny exchange. It was. And and uh, Jeff runs to Sherry's homeroom. Suddenly, now like the hallway's carpeted. Did you notice this at one point? Like, yeah, yes, I did. Um, actually, I noticed it before when when Jeff went to the the principal's office. But I did absolutely notice the green carpet. I was like, that can't be good kind of like in uh ninja three the domination the the spa the gym that has that has the, car, the carpeted Oof. gym oh, you know how much soil is on that thing yes. don't take a black light yes. <laughs> so uh yeah jeff runs to the homeroom and he's peeping the homeroom and i didn't spot her at first at first i'm like oh she's not there but she is there she's in the homeroom because yeah. there's like a missing there's a there's a desk with with no one at it in the front row of the class i'm like oh is that where she's supposed to well, be yeah. you you might have been taking notes because at first when they do yeah you don't see her first and then he kind of looks over like his head moves and then so the camera moves and that's when you sort of see her but yeah i wouldn't be surprised you were probably jotting notes down at the time I was because then I looked up and I'm like, oh, there yeah, she is. There she is. Yeah, exactly. There was like, yeah, small camera movement there. Yeah. And so uh, he finds her and 
the, the, this other teacher shows up behind Jeff, like to confront him, like, what are you doing out here? And, uh, and he goes, I've got some questions for you. And he's like, well, no, don't worry. I'm going to go to Mr. Horner and talk to him. And he, and he leaves. Yeah. From there, Chris is, uh, cuts to Jeff's buddy, Chris in metal shop. You know, the, uh, Rick Springfield, younger Rick Springfield, <laughs> yeah. poor man's Rick Springfield, <laughs> the, the poor man's Jefferson Darcy. There you go. So, uh, he's in metal shop. At first, I'm like, oh, is he making weapons? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be make weapons for the confrontation? Kind of like uh, in Monster Squad when yes. Rudy's making yeah. silver bullets, you know, to cue to rock until you drop, <laughs> dance until your feet fall off, rock until you drop. Uh, but no, he's not. And Smiley, with his fucking vest and his rosary around his neck, shows up and he challenges Chris. He's like, I'm not going to fight you here. It's Okay, so... Here's a perfect example. Here's a perfect example of a weak dude trying to sound tough and being effective. David Patrick Kelly in the Warriors. Yeah, you know, little bitch, but it's effective. Yeah, but so yeah, he's still scary. Yes, you're still scary. Yeah, menacing. Then the flip side of that is Smiley. <laughs> no, again, no offense to the actor no, at all because no. I know that guy has been in other things and he's good in the other things. This just is just so weak, yeah. and their exchange is so weak. And Chris looks like he's gonna piss his pants, but also looks like he's kind kind of down to fight too. Like there's a little bit of yin yang going yeah, on in there. Yeah, and yeah. my my note is why would Smiley pick a fight in shop class when Chris could like just slam his head, you know, fuck Smiley up with that drill that he's using. You know, I'm like, this is a stupid place to to confront Chris. Yeah, and then Smiley's like, I'm not going to fight you in front of all these people or something something like that. And I'm like, okay, this is really weak. And then Chris is like, well, I just want to know when and where. And Smiley says, oh, the time? <laughs> You'll find that out later. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, why? Like, why does he need to? Why does he have to wait to find out what time it's going to be? No, I don't know. Tell me now. <laughs> no, don't leave. What are you doing? Yeah. Tell me what this it is. is. I just see it's like when, uh, you know, the fucking president's like, I'm going to make a big announcement soon. <laughs> like, just tell us when, just motherfucker. Just tell us, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn. Okay, whatever. Uh, okay, so from there, cut back to Horner's office. And Horner's like, you know, Sherry's safe in her class and, 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 and Jeff is like, you know, you got to do something. You got to, you got to do something now, do something now. Yeah. And then the phone rings and they find out that Laura has been beat, was beaten. Right. And that's when Jeff's like, do something. And and I don't know where it starts coming in, but there's this, the score here is this, there's this awesome, like driving, like, like beat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this. Yeah. It's a really cool beat and it just gets, it gets like louder and louder and like slowly builds up. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. And it kind of has like this Miami Vice, Jan Hammer vibe to it where it's like pulse pounding. Yeah. Things are ramping up. Things are going to get worse really fast. Yeah. Uh, and so cut back to Sherry's class. You know what's going to happen now. The, a girl comes in with a note for the teacher. <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going to happen to the girl with the note. Well, neither did I. So <laughs> so the, the, the girl sends uh, – is it, a girl comes to the class and with a note to send Sherry to the office. And 
Sherry and the girl leave together to go to the principal's office. They're going up the stairs up to, and then that's when the Cobrets come out of nowhere and start beating the shit out of both of them. Yeah. And the little, and the girl get the girl uh, who has nothing to do with any of this gets nabbed and brought into the bathroom too. No, 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 sorry. No, she she gets gets nabbed. She gets punched on the, the the stairs and, but she gets like punching her tit, like, like right in her (laughs) chest. Cause the girl like falls over. But I was like, Holy shit. I didn't see the girl, like the, the hall monitor girl getting fucked up too. Yeah. Hall monitor gets kind of jumped in the process too. Right. So hall monitor goes to the office to, and comes in and she's like, ah, girls, cats, Sherry and me. And then that, and I love this because Jeff bolts. Yeah. Like he's running down the hallway. And, 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 and that awesome fucking driving music, that beat is just, it's getting louder and louder and louder. But he's running down the hallway and the camera slows down <laughs> to show Mario Van Peebles nodding his head <laughs> for some random reason. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. speeds back up again. Because <laughs> going. Mario Van Peebles, his, his character, you, you you know, like you want to think he's the good guy because he's, he's nice to Jeff, but he's, he sucks. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't help out. There's a girl getting like a, a girl getting beaten up in the bathroom and you're just going to stand there smiling. Mario Van Peebles. Yeah. This is interspersed with cuts of like cutting back to the bathroom. Sherry's getting the shit kicked out. She's of her. getting, Sherry's getting worked over. Yeah, big time. Big time. Well, eh, she got warned. I'm just saying. You know what? I mean, she did. She did. Slater's got a slate. She's she's got, you know. Cobrette's got a Cobrette's, baby. Yeah. And and I think uh, just a little, uh, I didn't mention this earlier in the breakdown, but um, MVP had mentioned like, you know, Jeff was like, are you going to help me out? And he's like, you know, no, man, we don't. We're going to be on the sidelines or something like that. Like, yeah. he, you know, uh, we don't want to be a part of this kind of thing. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, they cut. There's this just random shot of Mario Van Peebles with a switchblade. And I think at this point, Mario Van Peebles had done Exterminator 2, uh, but not much else. Yeah. But I think it was like just showing off, hey, look at this cute guy with his pecs and his beret <laughs> and his army vest on. Uh, anyways, back to Sherrigan worked. She gets her ass kicked. Uh, Jeff runs in the bathroom to break up the fight. And then you see Sherry getting carted away on a stretcher. When you see Sherry getting carted away, did you notice this random extra in the background on the stairs, like ugly crying? Like as if, as yeah. if that guy, that one character was in love with Sherry the whole time. He, you know, we like, no one knows it. Right. But for some reason, there's this one dude who is bawling crying and i'm like why is that happening right now <laughs> yeah i didn't notice that i i just want to backtrack really quick though because this is really important and i forgot to mention it right before she gets carted away with the bawling richard marks looking dude in the back um when jeff broke up the fight it was right before uh patch was gonna blade sherry with her little switchblade yeah. uh lipstick yeah and meanwhile on the mirror of the bathroom the, the one with the short hair the butch one yeah one of the many butch uh writes 315 on the mirror yeah just yeah. to kind of signal when you know it's like smiley said you'll find out right right so yeah that was that was all part of the plan that's all part of cinco's plan was that we're going to tell you when when we beat up sherry exactly so now yeah you cut to 
crying boy, Sherry getting carted away, and you know Jeff's at the Jeff's at, at the ambulance as, as she's getting carted away, and Chris is with Jeff, and he's like, "I got your back, man. Don't worry, I got your back. You know, we're gonna get these fuckers," and uh, and Jim's like, "I'm sorry, guys, I'm out." You know, and I and I look, I respect the guy for for doing that. I was gonna say, knowing what we know about Chris, you piece of fucking shit. At least fucking Jim <laughs> is honest. Chris, you fuck. Oh, don't, 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 we're getting there, we're getting there. I know, it's very, uh, and, and what I love about this is like, yeah, Jim's like, I'm out, and, and Chris is like, fine, man, be that way, and then Norman looks on from the sidelines, Norman's looking on, just observing, Yeah. you know, just observing, it's just like a, a nice little tease. Yeah. Um, from there, Horner, the principal, is heading to the parking lot, and he gets in, confronted by Jake Speed, Draper, about Jeff. And, you know, Jake Speed's concerned and Horner's like, look, I have a meeting I got to go to. And, uh, you know, well, whatever happens, happens and just blows off the whole thing. Yep. And because you give, could give two shits about that one kid. And let's be honest, that's pretty fat, actu- accurate. That's pretty accurate about just the state of affairs at schools. Principals I've... don't know every single student and some they could literally give two shits about. Yeah. So there you go. I guess so I guess it. there's also a mentality to it too because principals are you know you're as a student you're looking at the school from a four year perspective as a as a principal you're looking at it from ten twenty year perspective too so I don't know man I, I don't I I know Horner's the bad guy in this movie or like one of them but I do think that he was trying to ultimately do what's best for the kids you know but yes you shouldn't you shouldn't you know every life is precious you shouldn't fucking you know kill one person to save a bunch of other people or you know or should you i don't know that's that is i mean that is that is a great debate right like if you could kill one person to save millions should you you know or or is every life you know uh worth saving yeah it's a great debate for sure for for Um, people smarter than us i'm sure No, I think we could have that logical debate. I just don't think there's enough time in this yeah, episode true, of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Horner is just painted as being like a very uh, unsympathetic character to Jeff's, yeah. you know, plight. Yeah. Um, other other it, than the fact that, I mean, he does have a piece of dialogue, dialogue earlier on where he's like, you know, there's a bunch of kids in the school that are innocent. They're just trying to, you know, graduate. Now, I'm doing it for them. I don't give a shit what anyone else says. And I was like, okay, I think they, I do think they put that in there to try to give you a little bit of, to, you know, not to make Horner such a piece of shit. Yeah, he's not, he's not devious. Uh, he's just kind of, he just, he, he just doesn't care pro. about Jeff. He doesn't give a fuck yeah. about Jeff. He's like very bottom line, yeah. very bottom line. You know, what's how's this going to benefit the overall picture? Uh, yeah, so he is that like, well, if one's got to die, then he's got to die. Cut to the hospital where, oh, Sherry. <laughs> Sherry's in her in her room. And uh, that's a great song. By the way. I, I, and, that, that song is on my playlist, too. I go. fucking love that song. Steve Perry. Yeah, Steve Perry, yeah. Is 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 quite honestly one of the greatest rock voices of all time. Yeah, right? yeah. He he was the lead singer of Journey, right? Is that what? Yeah, yeah, Journey, and then that was from his solo record, uh, which wasn't as what it wasn't that great because he really Journey as a band complete was so good. But yeah, man, but, but that's the young will say 
But that's oh. that that's got that iconic cover with him like in the desert doing that like yeah. bow or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it's like got one or two good songs. On <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, I know but, oh. the, but the good ones are fucking good, man. Oh, Sherry's. on oh, the video for that's so good. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, so Sherry's in, her, Sherry's in her hospital room, and Jeff's there, uh, and she she's like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I actually like this moment because she is embarrassed. She's like, uh, you know, doesn't want to see Jeff, but in a way that she, because she thinks she looks ugly and because she got beat up. And she's embarrassed because she knows she made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And she thought, you know, she thinks like Jeff would be mad at her. And he's like, no, I'm not mad. I I thought of all like the this. shitty dialogue, that was this probably the, the, best. the best dialogue because, this, yeah, yeah, she was like, I thought you were mad at me. Like, I was like, I, the first time I viewed that, I was like, ah. And then the second time I was like, no, that's such a, like an honest piece of dialogue because she was like, you know, she thought Jeff would be mad at her for, yeah, for, for not believing him, getting in trouble and stuff. I was like, this is really, and this is when I actually started liking Cherry, you know, uh, from, from before. And too, um, I got to give the filmmakers credit. They did give her some, you know, bruised facings like makeup like you know you you see these movies and you they don't ever want to like make the the lead you know love interest you know look ugly even if they get beat up somehow in the movie <laughs> but i was like i was like oh good you and they actually put you know some some makeup on her to look like she was was beat up i was like yeah hey, it's cool like uglier up a little bit you know yeah and and she does and and i would say that this is the turn she needed to give her character some emotional credibility. Like I actually yeah. like her at this point and believe it or not, she kind of saves the day in the end. So I, I, I actually have something that I'll tell you about when we get there that I would have rather seen. And it's, it's Sherry uh, centric. So yeah. So earlier, the entire movie, um, I was like, yeah, she's annoying earlier on, but this is when she turns, and I, I like her from this moment uh, going outwards. And yeah, this is the moment she needed. The unfortunately, her character had to get beat up for her for you know for us to like her, but now we do. Now she's what? she's a redeemable character. Yeah, or she got jumped. Character. She got jumped, and now she wants to bang uh, Jeff in the hospital. <laughs> of course, because he's like because you cut you cut to her mom talking to the nurse at the counter about what's going on or like the status of her daughter or whatever. And meanwhile, they're in the hospital room and, and, and she starts making out with Jeff and, and, uh, and she's like all turned on. Like, she's like, let's do this. You know, oh my gosh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Let's do this. So, uh, or Flo what is it? The Florence Nightingale effect. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're there for me. I'm going to fuck. So, uh, yeah, from, from there you cut Jeff banged Sherry apparently. <laughs> and now, uh, and this is funny because I want you to remember we saw the only shot we saw of her mom was talking to the nurse at the desk. Right. Just remember that. Uh, and so we cut from there back to Jeff, uh, Jeff's house. We see Jeff's house for the first time and he's talking to himself in a mirror getting pumped up before the fight. I'm assuming class school ended at noon. Yeah. They've got now three hours to kill. Yeah. <laughs> three hours and 15 minutes to kill. Sounds about and, right. Uh, yeah. And he's like looking in the mirror. He's like, it's either him or me me or them or you know and uh and he's like he's like either way it'll be over soon either yeah either way it'll be over soon and, he, and then from there you cut to a los angeles underpass and on the freeway and cinco is there and he's arming himself with a gun um 
and there's a song playing and singing no hesitation like so good again i I wrote down i even wrote down another one i go another great song quotation marks no hesitation i go i like i said here's where i say it i go i like the soundtrack more than savage streets i mean yeah I, i i i i'm gonna download all of them and put them all in a playlist the workout playlist, it's all going to be there. It's good uh, shit. Th- it's all good shit. And so from there, we cut back to school, and Ponch is uh, looking at a clock, and the clock says 255. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you got still got 20 minutes, Ponch. God. He's like waiting by the clock. When's it going to be time? Man. Oh, and he's wearing a red T-shirt. This is important. He's wearing a red T-shirt. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is between this and like Savage Streets, you know, like you see people just back in the day, if you had to wait – you just had to wait. There, you didn't have a cell phone. So, and later on, we see Chris playing solitaire. It's like you just you people, guys. Uh, well, nah, I take it back. Everyone, pretty much everyone who's listening is, is probably our age. But uh, you know, the young guys out there and gals, if you're listening, man, back in the '80s, if you had to wait, you legit had to wait. So yeah, you had to keep yourself busy with something, and, yeah. and from there they cut to the parking lot, and in the parking lot the people there the the parking lot is filled with all the all the kids from the school, so there's skaters skateboarding. Yeah, uh, this looks like the Abikini Fest because there's skaters skateboarding. Then you cut to uh, a dude playing guitar. Yeah, and I'm like. What with this fucking festival going on and, while everyone's waiting? And and then at some point you cut to like someone someone's wristwatch to show the time, and yes. it is the most eighties wristwatch you've ever seen. It's, it's great though, and I love it. it. I, dude, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want it. I kind of want it too. Uh, and now we're gonna cut to probably the most absurd, ridiculous scene in the entire movie, and it features our boy Smiley. Um, so from there, from the, from the crowd in the parking lot, you cut back to school in the hallway, uh, the halls of the school where the lockers are, and there's a desk in the center of the lockers Mm -hmm. of the hallway and Smiley sitting at the center of the desk in the hallway, Smiley with his black vest on, but now he's wearing a red t-shirt too. Yeah. So every gang member in the Cobras wears a red t-shirt to symbolize that they're in the Cobras the entire movie up to this point, like out one hour. Cause I think we're about like one hour, five minutes or something. He wears a black vest with no shirt. Yeah. Now he's got a red t-shirt yeah. like everybody else. They got to wear their colors. Why it's now? so absurd. And he's sitting at a desk in this middle of the hallway. It's like a shot from a music video. It's so ridiculous. It is. It it's does really feel like a music ridiculous. video shot. It really does. <laughs> like he should be singing. Like he should have been singing. And, uh, and you know, like the shot, it's trying to look intimidating, but it's smiley. We it's know smiley. it's Smoking smiley. He's a yeah. fucking goober. So <laughs> he's a total goober wearing a red t-shirt, which looks super out of place now. Suddenly, and then now we cut back to uh, the parking lot. Jeff rolls up. And now Jeff, you know, he went back home to change his clothes and wear, I put a ban- red bandana around his ankle. Yeah, I really don't get tough. that. I, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I don't get that either. I'm like, what's that supposed to symbolize? A red bandana around your ankle? But still, it's whatever. Like, I used to put bandanas around my legs, but not like that. <laughs> So from there, you cut. It's like back and forth. You cut to him with in the parking lot, and then the co- cut back to the cobras, and they're tagging up the school with the word cobra. 
And then Jeff's walking around, cut back to Jeff walking around and Norman's watching Jeff on the sidelines and Jeff goes to a payphone. Oh, yeah, because everyone's like, you know, where, where are your friends, huh, Jeff? You got no one to back you up? See, this is what happens. Like, he's getting heckled in the parking lot, which is believable to me. And, uh, and Jeff goes over to a payphone to call Chris. Mother Cuts to Chris. Fucking Hold on. Hold on. Chris. <laughs> Cuts to Chris in his house playing solitaire. And his mom picks up the phone. And his mom says, oh, Chris can't come to the phone right now like a little bitch. Fucking bitch. First off, the fact that he doesn't show up is one thing. But second, he has his fucking mom. Like, like dude, Chris, fuck you, Chris. Fuck you. Yeah, the guy who spent the entire movie saying, I got your back, bro. I got your back. We're going to kick their asses. Egging Jeff on through this whole movie. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? We should kick their asses. Suddenly he's got tears in his eyes. They do a close up shot of his face. This fucking mug. Fucking bitch. Chris mug <laughs> face. Fuck you. Worst character in any movie we've ever done. Oh man. So that's like a long extended shot. And you're just like, oh, screw this guy. This guy is the epitome of evil right here. <laughs> he he is the epitome of evil. He looks like he actually looks like a some political person's son. But that we're not going to go here nor there. Um, back to school. Cut back to school. And Mario Van Peebles sees Jeff. And he's like, you know what, man? You could split. No harm in that. Like, no like he's like that? basically saying, like it's you know, no one's gonna look down on you if you don't do this. And then Jeff's like, "Will, will, will you help me?" And he's like, "Nope, <laughs> nope." <laughs> Peace <Meanwhile>, out. <laughs> you see Norman again in the crowd wearing his little pink button-up shirt. Yeah, the fucking the the hero we need. Yes, and Jeff splits from the parking lot to the main school, breaks a window to break into school. This at this point reminds me a little bit of the movie uh, The Principal with uh, James Belushi mm. and Lou Gossett Jr. Because the school's locked up and the kids are on the outside. Very, very similar. In fact, the, the third act of that movie takes place in the locker rooms as well. Oh, okay. uh, very similar. I love The Principal, by the way. That's not a teen exploitation. I guess it's more of a... Te- teacher principles yeah, I was gonna say teacher exploitation and uh, I've, might... I've seen that movie I saw that back in the day I, I enjoyed it too um don't oh, so don't good. really remember any of it but I do remember liking it first of all it still holds up cool. second of all I love it and third of all I love it <laughs> I hope we do it one uh, day on the show yeah we might oh we cool might. so from there yeah Jeff breaks into school uh the Cobras show up the rest of the Cobras show up this is cool so Sherry Cut back to the hospital. Sherry gets out, leaves her hospital room. Her mom, I want you to remember, the only time we saw her mom earlier in the movie, and we're talking probably a couple hours have gone by now uh, because, you know, Sherry had sex with Jeff. Jeff had to go home and change. Jeff's at school. I'm going to say an hour has gone by. At, at least. At least. At least. Her mom is still at the counter talking to the same nurse. Fuck this mom. You know, this mom is super annoying. You know, she's like probably giving the nurse shit about like, I'm not paying that medical bill. God damn it. You yeah, know, yeah. because the mom is just a jerk anyways. Uh, cuts to Sherry leaving, coming up to her mom saying, mom, I need the ki- car, the keys to the car. 
her mom's like, what? What's going on? And she's like, give me the keys to the car, mom. Give me the keys to the car, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And Sherry leaves wearing like her, still wearing her hospital gown uh, with like a jacket on. And she leaves the hospital to get in her car. Her mom is nowhere in sight. You tell me her mom is still talking to the nurse. You would chase after your daughter at this point. Right. Well, I also, my note, my, my note was what I cued in (laughs) on was how did Sherry know where her mom parked? Cause you know, she didn't tell her, you know, like, you know, she just grabbed the keys and run because she's a, she's a kid and she's all full of, you know, so, you know, she didn't ask where she parked at, but she knew right where she parked. There was only one black Cutlass Sierra in that parking lot that day, and it belonged to Sherry's mom. Oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. (laughs) I should have been gone. I should have been gone. Meanwhile, my speaker's blowing out. Uh, Oh, man. So um, from there, we cut back to Jeff at school. He's looking for something, but you're not sure what it is. And the Cobras invade the school, too. And Can I just, because I don't know where it is, but at some point when they're going into the school, I think it's from the Cobras and Jeff, it's in the back area. Why was there one trash can smoking? <laughs> Did you notice that? Did you see no, the I one trash? It was when it's in that little area in between the gym and the locker, like, you know, the, the showers. They go into the go to the left. They go screen left. And there's one trash can just smoking. I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, sure. oh, I, I didn't notice that because I was too busy looking at everyone wearing clearly brand new red t-shirts. Um, <laughs> Cinco was punch. like, all right, first off, before we go to school, we're all going to TJ Maxx to buy red t-shirts. Yeah, what is what is this fucking uh, uh, Heartbreak Ridge where they all have to match their the, the, the master chief you know they have to look to wear the same matching t- you remember that movie heartbreak yeah, with Clint yeah, Eastwood? yeah like if they weren't mat they have to do push-ups or whatever yeah so i'm like okay first yeah they're wearing their the red target t-shirts and ponch is wearing like brand new khaki slacks that still have like wrinkles from when they were you know <laughs> taken off the shelf i'm like oh come on this is really watering down this quote-unquote tough guy gang um just really weak as shit. You want to see them get their asses handed to them. You do. So they, so basically everyone's going the same direction except, uh, so, you know, Jeff is, is, and the Cobras are all going the same direction down this, down the open court hallway. Um, the, the Cobras go to the left to the basketball court and, uh, Jeff goes to the right, which is the locker room. Yeah, the the locker room slash yeah showers. Yeah, and then Sherry shows up looking for Jeff at the school. Cobras are waiting in the lo- in the in the lock. Uh, sorry, basketball court looking for Jeff, which makes sense because he's always playing basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're there, and he's like, you know, where the hell is he or whatever? And then they hear something, chooch, chooch, hear something. Well, and, like, you, and, and this is this is this is bad, like not dialogue, but just bad like story because Jeff goes to the right to, into that locker room. I mean, th- there is like outdoor space separating it and everything, yeah. and then all of a sudden, two separate Chooch's, buildings, you know, and yeah. Chooch, yeah, two separate buildings, and Chooch is like, <laughs> I think I heard something, and I was like. 
No, you didn't, Chooch. You didn't hear jack shit because Jeff's in another fucking building. But okay, yeah, yeah. we have to get we have to get the gang over there. I understand, but at the same time, it could have been better crafted, and well, and thus the beginning of the downfall of the third act. I would say starts <laughs> literally starts when Chooch says, "I think I heard something." Agreed. D- begins the downward spiral. <laughs> I think no. I think I I concur because. So there's a total of five gang members, right? Yeah. There's uh, Chooch, four. there's Smiley, there's Ponch. Oh, the four. Uh, no, Chooch, Smiley, Ponch, Whitey, and then Cinco. Yeah, there's they get five. five. Yeah, right? you're right. So, so, so Chooch is like, I'm going to go investigate solo. Smiley's like, oh, I think I'll go with him. And and Cinco's like, no, man, you stay in here. Well, there's three of you motherfuckers that would stay behind and two that could go investigate. No, you let Smiley go no matter how ridiculous he is. Yeah. But they don't. He tells Smiley to stay behind and Chooch goes on his own cliche AF and just like, just really weak. It just, that would never go down. I'm sorry. It would never go down. This gang is probably one of, out of all the gangs that we've, covered in our breakdowns this is probably the weakest gang from our teen exploitation series yeah overall yeah. no overall, no you're right i they're, I, they're, I'll they're give the, you, the I'll, bitchiest yeah they're, they're, and, and and guys don't i'm not being sexist at all like when i say bitch i don't mean it in a negative connotation i just mean like they're just weak as fuck yeah <laughs> sorry no, no yeah. they're they're bitches man they're bitches yeah, they're bitches. <laughs> they're bitches yeah they are bitches uh bitches leave yeah. so bitches uh, leave <laughs> So from there, Chooch goes to the locker room. He goes to the weight room where uh, where he heard oh, apparently he heard the sound because he's got fucking daredevil like hearing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and 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 Jeff's in there. He confronts Chooch. Uh, Chooch pulls a knife. Chooch. And uh, I, I'm not gonna be able to say Chooch that much longer. So I want to get all my Chooches out. And they have a little tête-à-tête confrontation. And just Jeff beats the shit out of him. Beats the He's, shit out of him. I mean, I'm just gonna cut to the chase because the, the the fight scene is pretty weak as weak anyway. It's it's not it's not good at all. A- actually, to be honest with you, every fight scene is pretty weak from yeah, this point on, guys. It I'm really sorry. is. It they're is. still they're entertaining. Yeah, they're entertaining. Yeah, but they are weak. They are very West Side Story less. Yeah, like it's weaker than a West Side Story fight. You know, uh, so yeah, beats the shit out of him. One is down, four more to go, right? Uh, cuts to Sherry running the school. The Cobras invade the locker room. Uh, they're hunting Jeff through the maze of lockers. And I wrote down, yeah, this is just like the principal. This almost scene for like a shot for shot scene of the principal. For the, the principal came out after this, so I think they definitely borrowed. Oh, no one's going to know because this movie was straight to video. <laughs> well, we knew 30 <laughs> years later. Uh, anyways. Next person get taken out is Whitey. Whitey gets his ass handed to him. Done. Now, did he? He didn't kill Whitey because when he no, did he because when he, he punches him and it like he does like a real strong one right to the face and Whitey like just his eyes roll back and blood comes out of his mouth and he just goes down and I'm like I was like are they trying to say that he broke his neck when he punched him and Whitey doesn't get back up for the rest of the time he's just out right that's I it. think I think he's just out because let's also take into consideration that maybe like a day or two before uh he 
had his head slammed against a pole. So if he didn't have a concussion then, he definitely has a concussion now. <laughs> good, good, good point. But, Fucking yeah, dude. He's got a concussion like a motherfucker. So, yeah. Shouldn't sleep, dude. But he did. He, he is he is literally the human form of that cart that Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs Bunny hits the the bird over the head with a mallet yeah. and the little lumps go up. Yep. Right. <laughs> How many lumps do you want? One or two? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, two lumps. Boing. Classic. So, Classic. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so from there, um, Cinco jumps Jeff from behind. So Jeff, like, you know, knocks the shit out of Whitey. And then Jeff's standing, like, by the, uh, like, the shower area. So there's, like, a, a open above. Like there's a wall, but yeah, there's the, enough room the, above the, it. The divider between the showers the and the lockers only goes up to like your shoulders for some reason. So yeah. you can still see like if you're in the lockers, you could still see into the showers as well. Well, this is funny because again, Jeff is like six foot two or whatever. And Cinco is like five foot two. Right, and, right. And so Jeff, all you see is like the top of Cinco's head. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, is Cinco standing on a box though? Because he's able to put a chain around Jeff's neck. I mean, realistically, the actor probably is. Oh, I know that, but it's it's definitely a it's a beyond suspension of disbelief. I'm like, does he have floating powers? <laughs> you know, because he puts a chain around Jeff's neck and he's like strangling him. Uh, and Ponch and Smiley show up and gang up on him, and and then Cinco, you know, and this is like this is like the scene in Austin Powers, like, oh, I'm going to explain what I'm going to do to you to kill time, you yeah, because Cinco's like, you know, we were like brothers, and you, and he's saying this to Jeff, he's like, you sold me out, and then suddenly, while he's like, you know, about to kill him. Norman shows up. The, dun, 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 the, the, pink the shirt fucking and a hero bat. we need right now. We need a hero. We need a hero. I don't know the lyrics, guys, but I know the I song. don't know, but all I know is that's for, that was in the show uh, Cover Up with John Eric Hexum. <laughs> oh, man. Another tragic story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, look it up. I do, I do know what you're talking about. Sad. Voyagers, bro. Voyagers. That show was the shit. Anyways, yeah, uh, Norman shows up with his pink shirt and a baseball bat, ready to party. And Norman yells out, let him go. It's not James Earl Jones asks, but it's pretty close. Um, Cinco abandons Jeff for a second, Monster Jeff, and goes up to Norman. He's like, get out of here, man. Get out of here, right? He's walking up to Norman with the baseball bat. And he kind of pushes Norman and Nor like get the fuck out of here. And Norman hits Cinco in the arm. Ow! <laughs> yeah. And at that point, Jeff is able to wrestle uh, Ponch and Smiley, and he breaks free from them. Uh, and what does Cinco do? Cinco takes his gun out and shoots Norman in the arm no. or the chest, like the, a shoulder area. Yeah, like shoulder area. I was area. like, I wrote all I wrote down was no. Yeah, dude. I was like, no, fucking Norman, man. Right. And so now, uh, Cinco and oh, so at this point, Jeff knocks Smiley out. It's and it's and that's very anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah. yeah you want to see the, Smiley the, get his ass handed to him? Yeah, the Smiley. You yeah, you want Smiley to get fucking destroyed? And yeah, Smiley's it, nothing really happens. And, you know, what should have happened uh, is Norman should have been the one to take out Smiley mm, because because yeah. he's the one that, you know, yeah. they, they, they had the whole thing when they broke his glasses or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. 
Smiley had this very anticlimactic ending to his character, and that was it, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, Smiley or sorry, Ponch and Cinco run off, and they're on the move. And Jeff checks on Norman. Norman just saved Jeff's life. Yeah. Norman is quote unquote the hero so far up to this point of the movie. And what does Jeff say to Je- uh, Norman? What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? And I go, dude, he just saved your ass. Yeah. You know? Right. And uh, and Jeff's like, okay, I'll go get help. Yeah. Right? And he runs off. From there, Senko and Ponch are now in the main part of the school. And I love this because I think Senko has maybe shot off two rounds from the gun at the most. Well, he shot, uh, he shot a few at Jeff in like after he, sh- he shoots Norman, uh, Jeff breaks away. You know, he shoots a few, throws a few at Jeff too, but not a full clips worth. Yes. And, and what happens next though, is that he's reloading his gun. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, okay, this, this is important to, to note for what's about to happen in the next five minutes, because yeah, he reloads his gun, and uh, you know, Jeff is now back in the school as well. Cinco and Ponch are on one side of the hallway of the school. Jeff's on the other. And and Cinco's- Jeff and Jeff also has um uh, uh uh switchblade. Yeah, he's got Chooch's switchblade. That's right. And Cinco spots Jeff, and kind of like at the end of the hall, but like sort of briefly like like ducking shooting by into a into the the stairwell type of thing yeah and cinco tells ponch to go after jeff send him down the hallway yeah which he does uh ponch looks all scared as shit and drugged out yeah you know looking like a little fuck boy and he's and he's got uh, a switchblade too he's got a little switchblade yeah and then uh jeff confronts ponch he's got a blade they both have blades and ponch is scared and suddenly Ponch says, <laughs> this is when I wrote down, oh, you got a sad card here because he <laughs> says three lines. He looks back at Cinco. He goes, I don't want to fight. Uh, this is stupid. This is stupid. I don't want to fight. <laughs> and he drops his knife and Cinco shoots Ponch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in the, the subtitles say Ponch whimpers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he does. Yeah. yeah. Ponch he, does whimper. He definitely dies with a <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and so now from this, from here, but Senko goes. But he's oh, dead though. Ahead. He's he's fucking dead. Yeah, he. I think yeah, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. They, so Senko is now definitely killed at least one person. Right. Right. Attempted murder on another. Right. right? And so, uh, Senko goes after Jeff. Jeff's running up the stair. Uh, they're they're, ch- he Jeff's being chased up a staircase at the school. Um, Senko. Is shooting at Jeff. This is actually pretty cool. I like this part. Yeah, me too. So, me too. So, there, there, you know, there's the stairs that go up, and then they kind of curve around. Jeff's on the upper part of the stairs that curve around. Cinco's at the bottom part. Yep. And they're kind of uh, coming closer to each like, other. Like in- inching closer to that that middle turnaround part that, you know. Yes. And I also want to note at this point, Cinco's probably fired at least four or five shots up to this point off his gun at Jeff and missed every single time. Yes. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. And suddenly Cinco kind of jumps up to the top part of the stair underneath 
Jeff and shoots him yeah. in the fucking belly. Yeah, and, and and I was like, damn, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. Uh, Cinco's move was actually cool really move. smart because he knows he's like he could sense you could tell that the character could sense they're they're just right next to each other so what he does is he like goes low and dives and yep. and you know because of that he's like sort of out of jeff's grasp and yeah plugs him in the fucking gut and i was like that was a cool ass move i was like that was really fucking cool it's a really cool move Right before that, the shot of the two of them kind of on either side of the the divider of the yeah. stairs. Yeah, it's it was a cool. really cool shot too. It's a really great tension shot. Definitely Cinco's best part in this movie. Yeah, yeah, Maybe kind, the kind only of kind of reminded of me something out of like Hard Target when like you know yeah. uh, uh, Lance and and JCVD were both on on either side of the wall, but the camera can see down the wall, so you can see both of them. You know, I thought. Or, I, but yeah, face this, off? yeah, or yeah, it, I think that was probably face off. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Cinco and Jeff in this little scene was really fucking cool. It's really cool, and and after that happens, it's shocking that Jeff gets shot in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And okay, I don't know about a whole lot of the science behind gunshots and when you get hit. All I know is I've seen Reservoir Dogs probably fifty times, and uh, Mr. Orange when he got shot in the stomach. Say, and, and Mr. White saying, you can't die from a from a shot in the belly, but it's going to hurt like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Right. And I just picture, think of that every single time I see someone get shot in the belly and I see that Jeff is like struggling, but he's not really in too much pain. Right? Yeah. So this is the biggest problem that I have with this last act, because uh, there's going to be more things that come into play later uh, in this <laughs> in this there, next folks. like in this next like there's only like ten minutes left in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But but there's going to be more moments later where like I'm like you can't do that with a fucking bullet hole in your stomach, you know. No. And 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 it goes back to like. Like, even in, like, Starship Troopers, when Denise Richards at the very end is, like, you know, with the brain bug, it puts, like, its its mandible blade thing through her shoulder, and then you see her, like, you know, ten minutes later after Xander gets his brain sucked out, like, you see her, like, firing her gun, and it's like, bitch, you have a hole the size of a fucking Coke can in your yes. fucking arm, and you're shooting... These, these are the things I feel like... It wasn't until like mid 2000s where moviegoers were no longer accepting of these ridiculous things anymore where like, you know, if your fucking character gets shot in the fucking gut, you're not doing all the other things that that Adam Baldwin is doing in this movie. And it. I even as a kid I don't I hated that shit. I'll buy it if you get shot and your love handle like it goes through or whatever, but even in later, you see that there is no exit wound in the back of 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 um Jeff's back, which means that bullet is still fucking lodged <laughs> in his goddamn gut, you know, yeah. when yeah. he's not getting medical attention at the end of the fucking movie. So, uh this is my biggest fucking problem with this entire movie and it's just one thing just don't make him get shot in the gut but at the same time it was shocking for that moment i didn't expect it to come so i was like oh that was cool but then i was like oh but then you're gonna do the typical movie thing for the rest of the movie where our hero is gonna be still pretty much fully capable with a fucking gut shot and yes 
Reservoir Dogs Mr. Orange should always be the barometer for how a gut shot should be treated in a movie. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. So from all that absurdity, we now have Cinco saying the cliche, no, you know, and so, so now Cinco's got the upper hand on, on Jeff, clearly, because he shot him in the gut. He says, no, not yet. I'm going to have a little fun with you. Of course. And he, and he kicks Jeff, you know, it's like the typical cliche shit. Um, cops are showing up at the school. This is ridiculous. Jeff goes to the window and he's like yelling at the cops. Oh, no, no. Cinco goes to the window yelling sorry, at the cops. Sorry. Cinco does. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That'd be much different movie. <laughs> yeah. Cinco goes to the window and he's yelling at the cops. And he's like, you're too late. It's all over. Cobra's forever. He's yelling at the cops. It's like such. Uh, it's it's just killing time at this point to me. Jeff's trying to recover. And then you see cut to Sherry. She's now in the main part of the school looking for Jeff. And she yells out for Jeff and Cinco hears this. And then Jeff's starting to recover and he sees a knife in front of him. Uh, on the, Jeff's on the staircase still. Cinco's like above the staircase at a window. And Jeff sees a knife in front of him. He's trying to inch towards the knife. And, and Cinco's egging on Jeff to grab the knife. All this is going on, and uh, Cinco's getting closer to Jeff, and Jeff's starting to grab the knife. Sherry shows up from behind Cinco, which is was shocking to me. I didn't expect that to happen, to be honest with you. I did not either, because you heard her heels downstairs making all that noise while she was walking around, and then all of a sudden she sneaks up behind Cinco like a fucking ninja with no... She's on- she, what? She's... 
She's because she's on the carpet. <laughs> oh, good call. That's where the carpet comes into play. Okay, good call. All right. <laughs> Okay. You get a little bit of credit to Sherry. Just a okay. Bit. All right. Uh, so yeah. So I'll give you that. How about how about that? Right. And she comes up behind Cinco, and this is her comeuppance or his comeuppance, and her kind of like, uh, you know, coming to Jesus. She pushes Cinco down the staircase. He she pushes Cinco into Jeff. They roll down the stairs, uh, to the to the top of the first level, if that makes sense, of stairs, and they're fighting. And then at this point now, Jeff is such a burly, beefy dude, even though he's got a bullet in his belly and he's probably in extreme pain, yep. beats the shit out of Cinco. So either uh, that bullet hole, that bullet was the size of a BB gun, uh, BB, or Cinco is an extreme little wimp and Jeff is just He-Man master of the universe and just wails the shit out of Cinco. Yeah. Well, I'll take right now. I'll I'll accept adrenaline. I'll say it's adrenaline for Jeff right too. now, but it's it's the denouement that I have a problem with. Yes. Yes. Oh, me too. So they go down the base of the stairs. They're now into like the main part of the hallway, and and uh, they're still battling. But Cinco's now down, and then Cinco yells out, "It's not over!" And Jeff runs over. You want to explain? What happens next? He just fucking kicks him in the face, right? But it's 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 a pretty weak kick. Yeah. Uh, but he kicks him one time. I just wrote he kicked him lazily, yeah. and Cinco is out. He knocks him out cold. Yeah, and then well, he did throw his face through a, a, a glass uh, window. Sorry, you know. But yeah, it, it he did. wasn't he did beat the shit out of him pretty well. It was like all the other fights in this. It it doesn't have the best fight choreography and then did yeah. you notice that after he kicks Cinco like he's got like uh, like a chunk of flesh uh hanging off of his face but it's it's not good and like I yeah. like said earlier you know there's a reason Tom Savini is Tom Savini there's a reason that like these action choreographers are like staples name staples because yeah. you know when it's shitty it's shitty and and sadly the action is not the best part of this movie no, it's the weakest part. It the is. overall story and idea is really good, and the confrontation, like the buildup, is really cool. Um, it, yeah, these are just things that, trust me, they don't take away from the overall no. film, in my opinion, but they definitely go, well, this is why I like this movie more. But it's still fun, guys. It's still fun. Yeah. It's as it's, it's, it's weak as these things are, it's still fun, well, in my it, opinion. Well, and also, too, like, but I also think, like, because of all these movies, their their budgets are all low. I think a lot of them, the third acts aren't that great. You know, even like Savage Streets, the third, the the last act wasn't that great. We we had a problem with Linda Blair's character all of a sudden turning so like sheepish. You know, and even the action in that wasn't great. I think here's the thing: you need a budget to do action. You you just have to have it. You have to have the time to choreograph it. And and anything like always, time is money. You need the time to choreograph it. You need the time to set up the choreography and the shots and everything and they spent more in this movie you can tell they spent more time on that dolly shot you know with with <laughs> sherry and and jeff than they did here but and that's the soundtrack and and, soundtrack. and the soundtrack which i think goes to show what the director thought the importance of like like where he he placed the importance in this film 
Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, the last fight is very anticlimactic. It, it, it's very similar to the principal, uh, their final act. And I think the principal got it right. Um, you know, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch that one. But, uh, but yeah, Jeff has beaten the shit out of Cinco. Cinco gets one little comment in there, gets knocked out, and it's over. Yeah. Uh, Sherry runs over and hugs Jeff. They exit the school together. <laughs> they exit the when school. they exit the school together, <laughs> Jeff has Norman uh, over his shoulder. Yeah. While he's kind of wincing, but he's been shot in the belly. He's this giant gargantuan of a man. Shot in the gut, and he's carrying Norman out over his shoulders. And I gotta say, he you know he gives Norman to the paramedics, and then the whole crowd is there. Yeah, the I gotta school is like flanked the front of the campus, and yet no medical attention for our boy <laughs> Jeff with a fucking gut shot right there. Well, two things. Two th- yeah. One, no medical attention. Two, the entire school is out there like cheering Jeff on as he comes out. Fuck every single one of you yeah. for just not doing shit <laughs> yeah. to, pr- to help. The- but now suddenly, you know what this reminds me of? It's just like bandwagon fans. Like who's the top dog? And that's the one they're going to go with. Suddenly, Everyone loves Jeff, but meanwhile, no one wanted to help him. No, dude. You know what this reminds me of? Fucking half-baked. If I was Jeff, I would have been like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Point to Norman. You're yes. cool. Fuck you. Point to the yeah. <laughs> Find Jim and be like, I understand. No hard feelings, but everybody else, fuck you. Chris, fuck you. Oh, Chris is Chris is not coming back to school. There, There's a special hell for, for the Chris's of the world. Yes, no doubt. Um, yeah, I, I, I wrote I, I wrote down, Jeff walks out with Norman on his shoulder, gets taken, the, Norman gets taken by the paramedics, still with, uh, Jeff still with Sherry. At this point now, he's walking down the stairs. No one has come to Jeff's side no. to help him. No. No one. No. This kid, this poor kid, let's not forget the fact, I don't care if he's 17 or 18 years old, he's still a kid. He's, he's still, still a kid. technically a teenager. Yeah. No one's helping this kid. His life, his entire, fuck this entire school district, fuck everybody involved. So now Horner shows up. And says, well, glad you're okay. Glad you're the one who made it out alive. Glad you're the one who made it out alive. huh? Let's bury the hatchet. And he's looking all smug while a moron is in the back with the other cops, you know, look on. And Jeff punches Horner in the face. And then he looks over at moron and says, you know, you got a problem with that? And moron says, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and from there... Cut back to Jeff, hopefully getting in an ambulance because Sherry's waiting by an ambulance. Uh, they walk. Jeff walks over to her, big smile on his face. They hug each other, kiss, and then that's the end of the movie right there. Right. And then Jeff falls over and bleeds Dies. out because <laughs> no one helped him. So yeah. my thought here is that this movie ended Jeff's 
Jeff breaks up with Sherry because he's like, why the hell am I with this chick in the first place? He's still got one more year to finish out school. He has months of recovery and 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 <laughs> physical therapy from the gut shot. How about that? So, yeah, my world bill is that, okay, he's got all this therapy. He never finished his senior year, so he's got to finish his senior year. He decides he wants to change school districts and change his name, changes his name to Buddy Ravel, and he just <laughs> wants to be left alone. And that is the beginning of 3 O'Clock High. That's so cool. my feeling is that you watch this movie – and then you watch Three O'Clock High under the under the guise that Buddy Ravel is actually Jeff Hanna from Three Fifteen, and it all makes sense. Interesting, interesting. I I I'll have to I'll have to go into Three O'Clock High with that in my mind. But that aside, you know, a, even with the lackluster climax. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of love this movie. So I, I, so I, I. I I mean clearly Adam Baldwin is awesome. He just yeah. I, I want He's to great. see I want to see him now do just be the lead. Like why did he become the the secondary guy? Like he is strong as a lead. But I also think that the musical score in this movie really kind of drew me in because, uh, dude, I, you talk all the time about the soundtrack and everything, and, and maybe because of all of our discussions, I'm paying more attention to the soundtrack. But the very first viewing that I had with this movie, you know, two, you know a couple days ago, I was like, oh, I, I love this music. And then so the second time I'm watching it, when I'm actually taking notes, you know, I'm like, oh, it's it's still holding up. Like, it wasn't like a fluke, you know? Like, I was, I, I really, I really think I understand better now where you're coming from sometimes when, like, the music really does add to the, to, to the overall experience of the film. And, of course, I always knew that, right? Like, I, I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, now I can sort of see it in full force and i can also sort of have it like you know have i have comparison points now where like you know you were really into the savage street soundtrack and i did not like that music really all that much but i was like you know what i i i made a conscious decision to like i don't i didn't want to i don't like shitting on things that people like i just don't like doing it you know and so i was like you know what i'm not gonna i don't want to take zach's smile away for this right but (laughs) but wouldn't have but here (laughs) The music, like, I I legit liked. And I think, you know, while I'm sitting here thinking, like, why do I like this movie so much? And I think that really kind of helped it, you know? Um, But aside from that, uh, I think it had a strong cast. Um, I think the dialogue was not very good, but I think that the cast did a damn good job with what they were given. Um, I think that, that it was... You know, like story-wise, it was kind of simple, kind of straightforward. It wasn't, you know, I, I kind of like the fact that it only takes place in a few days. You know, it, it doesn't have this like huge thing going on, time jumps or anything like that. And uh, I, 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 I think like story-wise, it's one of the more simpler, straightforward of of the five that we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that they put the effort into like these dolly shots. Like they really tried to make it something special. And I think for the most part it works, but sadly it's the, the, the climax is just, it's, it's, 
I mean, I can't mince words, guys. The climax is just kind of weak, and it doesn't take away from the movie at all. But at the same time, you know, if your climax is your least interesting part of your movie, <laughs> that kind of sucks. You know, that that does take it down a bit. So well, I will take that into consideration when I list the 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 top five. You know, of our like, when, you know, put it in our five. When you when you say to someone, uh, overall, the movie overall. The thing is good, but the climax is probably the weakest part. Yeah. If you describe something that way, most people are going to go, oh. Yeah. You know, it's like the sex was really good up until the climax. <laughs> yeah, up the until climax my orgasm. Kind of like... I had a terrible fucking orgasm. It's like, <laughs> yeah, people no, go, oh. you're, you're, you're 100% right. And, and you know, I, I didn't do it by design, but I'm glad I didn't lead with that because I do hope that our listeners, if they haven't seen this movie, do watch it because I think it is a good and entertaining movie. And, yes, the ending, you know, you want to see more of a comeuppance and everything, but it's still entertaining entertaining i still i like wasn't like checking my watch or anything in the climax i just i would have done things differently and real quick here's what i was hoping i was gonna see right when jeff got shot in the stomach i thought we were gonna have a no country for old men scenario where the main character was gonna die and and i thought like i thought jeff was gonna die right there and fucking shelly or sherry sorry sherry was actually gonna be the one to kill cinco and 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 you know, be the one to kind of pull it through at the end type of thing. And, you know, obviously they wanted to go with more of like a, a more heroic ending with Jeff getting the girl and everything. And I get why, like 1986, I get why that would have been the way to go. But yeah. I was like, yeah. oh shit. Like I didn't expect Jeff to get shot in the gut. So like right when that happened, I was like, oh shit, what if he fucking dies and, and Sherry fucking like is the one that has the the revenge? I thought that would have been cool. And I think I do think it would have been cool, but that's not the movie that we have. But the movie that we have, I fucking love, bro. I I all of them, all five of them, none of them are perfect. They all have like wonky things here and there, but they also have things that I love. And I just wish I could take all the little pieces out that I love, put them together into like one movie. But now I don't really, because I love these little weird movies that have awesome, you know, moments in them. And they're all interesting in their own way. And 315 included, man. I love that I have all five of these in my tapestry of Zach. Now I understand. I understand you a little better now, I think. Well, well, I think I think this movie at face value take it for what it is. It's 80s, it's low budge, it's flawed, but it's overall fun. Yep. Yeah, third act is is weak, but but a weak weak in a comical way where instead of you groaning and going, Oh, come on. It's more just like you laugh at these moments and be like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so that notches it up to a, to a viewable film, uh, more, at least more than once in my opinion, because I'll definitely watch it again. The scenario you presented makes for an entertaining remake. Who knows if they'll ever do that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you overall loved it. Uh, I did too. It, you will find out very soon how it ranks within our top fives. But yeah, this was to me. It was kind of like this was the last cap on the teen exploitation genre, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Where like I've covered all of the movies that I wanted to cover in within that subgenre. Yeah, and this was you know this was 
the there's a reason why it was the last one that I did, but I still loved it and I still feel like it's one of those movies that people don't know about and should go seek out. Me or if they did watch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Or if they did watch it back in the day, definitely should pick it up again. Um it yeah, it it merits being re-released. Sometimes the re- these re-releases you're like clearly this company just bought the rights of this movie and put it out and that's it. This is one that's like, no, this this merits having its a proper release. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad it did. And I'm glad, you know, yeah, it, I'm sure if we had Adam Baldwin, Baldwin on the show, he'd be like, yeah, I wish I was in more leading roles too. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of a old story that you hear about people. It's like, why did this guy not, why did this guy kind of get looked over because clearly he had the potential and then he went on to play like bit parts. It wasn't until, you know, years went by and then he gets serenity or firefly and gets a resurgence. But again, he's still a supporting actor in that show. Yeah. Why wasn't he the lead? Cause he still looks cool. He yeah. still has a kind of, he, he hasn't changed his acting style. He's still a great actor. And, and that, and it's, Jane, it's and that character in, in firefly Jane He's so awesome. I love that character yeah. so much. Oh, I know. And I know he's super popular. I think if that movie, if that show had come out now, um, now that television is, is at a stage where it's considered almost better than movies, he would probably be, have a more successful yeah. career yeah. now. Uh, but I think back when it came out, it was still considered like, Oh, B-level people do TV shows. B-level yeah. people do, you know. So he wasn't getting the the, the recognition he rightfully deserves because he elevated this movie. He, he did. He probably, yeah. You know, this had the weakest the weakest villain out of all the villains. Agreed. Um, but, you know, where some movies, like New Kids, probably had the weakest heroes uh, and, and, and – but it was elevated by John Philbin, right? And you know, obviously James Spader. Spader, uh, so that elevated that. This movie gets elevated by its hero. Yeah, and so and you, you know, want to and you want to see your hero fight somebody that's as you know. Well, you want to see your hero fight someone that's more powerful because they have to overcome it. Um, but yeah, it's. I hope my always my biggest hope for our podcast is that, you know, we, we get somebody like me who who's never even heard of this movie, listens to our show and is like, you know what, that sounds cool, goes and check it checks it out and is like, Oh wow, I like this. I'm glad yeah. you guys like, you know, introduced me to it. Just like I'm glad that you, Zach, introduced me to it. So this is this is a lot of fun. I enjoyed all five of them for different reasons and uh this is a conversation that i look forward to digging into more on wrap up after dark um well probably a couple weeks from now two weeks we'll uh record and then we'll get it out there but yeah this was fun dude i and i think also too like i was in like a a headspace where like you know i i opened this and i was like oh you know I, i was like this is cool this is neat but at the same time i was like you know i never heard of it and i'm like okay I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So I kind of was like not even really expecting much out of it. So, you know, my first viewing, I was like, oh, I'm having a good time with this. And again, soundtrack, man, soundtrack does a whole hell of a lot for a movie. It sure so, does. It can know. make or break a movie. It, it really can. Sure. It really can. And, 
You know, there's a podcast that talks a lot about movies and soundtracks and like the the nostalgic combination of the two. I think I think the podcast is called Two Dollar Late Fee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's the focus of uh, my other podcast. Yeah. Well, we why don't you tell you. us about that one, buddy boy? Yeah, dude. It's uh well <laughs> nice uh, nice segue. That was a good one. Uh, I was pretty proud of that we, one. <laughs> I mean we there's been quite a few episodes we've we've focused on soundtracks. Well, the whole premise of the show is we take a movie and a song song or a soundtrack from that movie. Uh, that we love and we talk about the year that it came out notable moments within that year for example legend of billy jean we talked about the movie we talked about the song invincible by pat benatar and then we talked about the year that it came out uh and then we also interviewed celebrities from that era as well typically the movie that we that we discuss piggybacks with an actor or performer from that movie so for example our latest episode is uh all about red dawn and it's classic score uh, by the guy same guy who did robocop and uh conan i think the barbarian all all and, three uh, fantastic scores all fran- yeah that's the first one we actually covered just a, a score specific uh but then that's going to lead into our interview with darren dalton who plays daryl in red dawn the traitor of the wolverines uh, he's also a soch in the outsiders but the guy has a crazy story about his life in, in 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 Hollywood and where he is now. It's a great interview. Uh, so yeah, two dollar late fee is movies, uh, music, and interviews, and a whole lot more. And you can find us on uh, Instagram at two dollar late fee, two dollar late fee dot com. You can find me at zachshafer.com. Uh, ZachShaferVO.com. That's where you find my links to Podcasting After Dark and $2 Late Fee and all my YouTube various stuff I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Where can we find you, Sleazy C? Yeah, buddy. Cute, cuddly Corey. (laughs) You know, I live on the Podcasting After Dark Instagram page. So, you know, you can find me there all the time. Um, But podcast-wise, you can hear me talk every week with our pal Adam from the Blast From Our Past podcast, by the way. Um, We talk about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Now, that being said, we are going to be dark this week. uh, And I don't know, maybe next week because my buddy Adam got the COVID. So we uh, he's unfortunately not feeling uh, too good right now. And uh, I, I wish him uh, a speedy recovery, you know, as, as fast as possible. Yeah, I j- Jokes aside, I am worried about him, and uh, I do hope he's doing well. So um, yeah, we, we're, we're going to be dark well. this week. We may be dark next week. It just – I don't care as long as he gets better. That's all that matters. So I do hope he feels better. But until then – if you want to hear more of me and Zach, you can listen to uh, all of our stuff up on Patreon. Boy, oh boy. If you guys like what we do here, you know, well, we, we pretty much only do it here. There's no other like this. Um, but we do have more content on Patreon, like we mentioned earlier, our wrap-up after dark, our monthly freeform show. But we also, our meat and potatoes of our, of our uh, Patreon page is our Interviews After Dark series. And this month month 
Oh, it's a dream come true. We are going to be dropping our Mark Ralston, a.k.a. Drake from Aliens interview. And it is so goddamn good. I We had so much fun talking to him. He was so goddamn nice, and it was a lot of fun. So look for that. That's actually, I think, going to drop on the free feed. So look yeah. for that one. Uh, to and be- that's pr- probably one of the best interviews we've ever done. Yeah. Probably... probably- one of the 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 most enthused guests we've ever had and, and, he was engaged uh, he he was so engaging he was it, yeah. so uh uh just he was so nice he was so goddamn nice fucking and, drake from aliens <laughs> and you know sometimes people will be like well why do i want to listen to this guy you know what he yeah i, I know what he's been in but but why do i want to listen to him well let, let me tell you why you want to listen to this guy first of all yes drake from aliens but he has been in look up his resume he's been in so much stuff and so we're not much just talking shit. about movies we're talking about television we're talking about video, video games. games he's one of the hottest new video games today spider-man everyone's freaking out about the fact that uh, uh his character specifically uh like he is a top-notch dude and the fact that he came on our podcast to talk about his career and, and talk about talk about the, his Baltimore. We talked about because yeah. he's from Baltimore. I didn't even yeah. know his Personal. dad wrote a book on 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 Baltimore. Like it's called like Fifty Years Before Crack. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll put the Amazon. I found the book. I'll put the Amazon link when we when we drop the show. But his dad wrote that book. But Mark is is from uh, Baltimore. So and and so am I. So like we we started talking about crab cakes and and everything. It was guys. I'm not kidding. It was a fucking amazing interview. It was a fucking dream come true man yeah because because let's be honest like oftentimes people do interviews to, to promote something or they come on and they're like i don't know my manager told me to do this and that's why i'm doing yeah it. so sometimes sometimes you'll get an interview and you're like okay that the energy is uh this is not there this one in particular and i will say every one of our interviews is really good this one though stands out to me because it, it was it was the first time where uh, he was as enthused as we were to have him on the show. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really good. And it's a reminder of the guys you see in movies that may not be the lead, uh, but sometimes they're better than the lead. Yeah. And, and sometimes like their story outside of the movies they make is just as good as the movies they make. Yeah. Like he talked about Shawshank Redemption up and down, and he dropped an exclusive about Shawshank, which is really entertaining. <laughs> really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so you'll just have to listen to it. And yeah, that'll probably be a part of the free, the free feed, but yeah. also give you a taste of what we have on the Patreon. Because the interviews on Patreon, I will say, I will say, every single one of them are good. Uh, and, and there's something in every single one of them that I guarantee you, you will not hear anywhere else. Yeah. Because... We are able to, I don't know, for whatever reason, people trust us. And sometimes <laughs> they say things that they maybe have never said before. Um, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. Stephen Jeffries, who did Fright Night, you know, he was one of our first interviews we ever did. That guy doesn't do interviews anymore because he just doesn't, it's just not his thing. And he came on our show to talk about his career and he, and he was very hesitant to do it, but he did it. And it was a fun interview. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. So yeah. check out the Patreon. And again, we know financially things are really shitty right now and you don't have to support us that way. Yeah. 
just know that if you do, it goes directly into the show. It's not going into our, you know, so we can buy coffee at Starbucks. It's literally <laughs> going into the show yeah. 100% because I, it does cost money to book time at Real Voice LA, which is one of the best studios to do audio uh anything audio related in LA, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, the, these things do take time and effort and energy and all that, blah, 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 blah. And we do it because we love it. But yeah, if, if you're, if you're able to awesome, if you're not, no worries. Uh, how can you support us outside of Patreon? You Corey? can, there's, there's actually multiple ways to support us outside of Patreon. You can always tell your friends and family about us. Word of mouth is still the best way to, to get new listeners. But um, if you want to be a bit more proactive, please leave us a five-star review and a little bit of a write-up on, uh, on, on Apple Podcasts. That's, uh, that's still one of the, the best podcatchers to kind of like, you know, find new podcasts on and everything. But like I mentioned earlier, we also have a merch store. You can support us that way. We have a lot of fun shirts out there. New ones coming out all the time babcock and finch finch and babcock <laughs> just saying <laughs> but uh yeah fine yeah you want to drop a yeah, people love like random reference tees yeah you know like yeah. What, what's that all about and, and i think at this point cool. i think zach and i love uh just making shirts that are just so random that only like insiders sort of know and babcock and finch finch and babcock what did he know bitch is the most inside baseball podcast after dark shirt that there possibly is I think I think the next one should be uh, it'll say in graffiti writing it'll say three fifteen and in the bottom in parentheses it'll say when you're when you have to wait two hours to get your ass kicked. <laughs> or, I was gonna say three fifteen to Yuma question mark <laughs> three fifteen um, when every teenager looks like they're thirty. Yeah, that's every fucking eighties movie, man. Yeah. Jesus but I love Christ, it. I love, I love it. it. So thank you guys, thank you so much, thank you for all our uh, supporters, everything, Instagram supporters, love you guys, thank you so so much. And uh, you know what? We're gonna see you guys next week with the. Now I'm sorry, not next week. I apologize. Uh, two weeks from now, our next episode is gonna be something a little different. But I hope you guys dig it. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, 
to slang, food, and fashion, you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.